guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. Okay, we are going to do this episode. We're at 510, and I just have to be honest with the people and let y'all know, I am not even joking when I say that we literally had to take a break from everything, even from each other, yep. before we could go record this one. Usually we're like, all right, credits roll, let's <laughs> yeah. go record it. We had to take a whole break from this one. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) y'all know I'm I'm never ready because I go in blind. But I mean, I really, really was not ready for this one. Yeah, this one just too much. And um, yeah, it it was just too too much. It was it was yeah. I still I still feel like I need to gather my emotions because I'm an emotional wreck. Yeah, I am too. Um, yeah, just too much. That's all I can say. Like I can't either even get other words to say other than too damn much yeah so y'all just bear with us on this one because it might be all over the place and just know that we reserve the right to go back and talk about any of these episodes at any point because there might be some things that we meant to dig into this time but because of the raw emotion of it all we just didn't get to yet so please don't message us like you didn't talk about this or what about this like we we know we're probably gonna miss some stuff Please give us a minute to um, get ourselves together and get through this one. And then if we need to revisit some things, we'll definitely do that. Absolutely. Well, if you're ready, I'm ready. (laughs) As I'm going to be. I know. Uh, Yeah. So I can't even like start this one off with one of our little random questions or whatever. Mm -hmm. I feel like I just kind of got to. We just got to get into it. We got to do it. We just got to do it. I knew this was coming and we just got to do it. So here we go. We start out with Ben and Michael hanging posters on the street to promote a benefit concert to stop Prop 14 with a special guest appearance from Cindy Lauper. Michael says that not even a year ago they were getting married in Canada and now they are back to fighting for their rights. Um, Michael's quite mouthy about the whole thing and Ben says he sounds a lot like his mother. Uh, Michael takes that as a compliment this time. You know, before he would have been very offended by that. <laughs> then we see Debbie and Justin and they're also hanging posters and she pretty much says exactly what Michael just said, which totally proves Ben's point. They are not happy about the political climate or the uh, person in the in the White House at the time. We'll just let you do your own uh, research on who that was. (laughs) But anyway, then we hear some chanting, like people saying, protect the family, protect the children, protect Christian values, vote yes on 14. And these people are driving down Liberty Avenue with bullhorns, yelling, Jesus forgives sinners, stop the homosexual agenda. And I'm like, you think that's what makes you... An American? That's what makes you superior? It that's really, what makes you a Christian? Yeah, it really just changed my whole, I don't know, just seeing it like this, you know? And, I know, because you and I, we've never experienced anything like that. You see things on TV, but then you're trained, you're, you're taught to think, oh, this is, that's not real, that's make-believe, mm-hmm. this, things like this really don't happen in the real world, but sadly, it really does. That's not being a human that's that's actually been inhumane you and know? I, I think about how there was a time in my life where maybe not i personally but the people that i was around would have been the people thinking that was the right thing to do mm-hmm. the people lining up in cars people saying this is what we're going to chant this is why they need to hear this message from us like those were the people who i was closest to in my life and they would have been doing that and even if, like i said even if i didn't take part in it i know that they would have been doing that you know right. and now just to because of the personal growth I've had in my life and because of the skin in the game that I have and because of the people that I have come to know and come to love and the way that I've come to see there are many different ways to do this life yes. and to do love 
to see that on the screen, it really just kind of affected me and yeah, bothered me. And really, yeah. even just the way that it was shot where we'll talk about this, like we see Debbie and Ben and, and Justin and Michael on the street and they're watching this happen. And there's this look where it's like, we are literally under attack. Yes. I mean, I think they got it right the first time, like um, last episode when it was doing a comparison between the camps during World War II. Yeah. That's what it kind of feels like. Kind of feel like we're this country is going to war within itself and you know like we're got to choose our side what we're going to be on right now and it's almost like that was like the the war rally the war cry with them coming through liberty avenue like that it's almost like you're antagonizing it's not almost you're antagonizing us now yeah. you're coming over into you're coming into our neighborhoods where we're just trying to live free we're just trying to be the best people we can be bring positivity be happy just live life but you're taking time out of your day to come over and be disruptive. There, there's, there's nothing kind about that. Like, yeah. that's just evil. And it's not just, I think it put, it's not just paper. It's not just a law that will exist on paper. It is literal people yelling at you that your lifestyle is wrong. Jesus forgives you. He forgives. It's like, what are, who are you? What are, it's just, it, so from the start, this episode was already kind of, it put me in a weird spot emotionally. Yeah. You know? To where I was feeling a lot more than I expected to be feeling. Right, absolutely. <laughs> I honestly just kind of don't know what people think they are accomplishing by doing that. And it makes me sad to think about being judged and condemned and ridiculed like that when people are yelling that the government, the citizens of a country, and God himself hates everything about you. Mm-hmm. It really just kind of put me in those shoes and I just felt the weight of that. It makes you feel helpless. Yeah. I mean, like, there's nothing you can do. You, you're telling me that... The father above hates me. I know that the government is not going to protect me. Right. And then we have you guys running rampant in these streets. So, I mean, like, it's just a scary time, scary place to be. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, there's really nothing for you, like nothing to protect you. You have no one to protect you. It's just so scary. Yeah. And this was back in 2004, 2005. But even watching this now, I think with just the state of the world in where we are, where we could be headed is just. We made some it's strides. Heavy. Yes, we yeah. made some strides, but we're still in the same boat. Yeah. Okay, we're still in the same boat 20 years later. Like, really, nothing really have much really changed. I mean, they're already, well, maybe we need to revisit the same-sex marriage. Um, Maybe we need to revisit that conversation, right, exactly. that decision. I mean, yep. that's, already, that's already being said. Mm-hmm. It's already happening. And so it's just kind of, yeah. Okay, we're going to make it through here. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. It's going to be a long like, why can't people disagree from a distance or at least in silence? Just be over there like, no, nah, I don't go over there because I don't agree with that. So yes. I'm just going to stay over here. It's not for me. So I'm going to do me. Right. You know? Like, I'd rather you do that. Okay. I'm not telling every- everybody doesn't have to think the same way. Everybody's not going to. But disagree from a distance. Okay. True. <laughs> yeah. Well, Emmett, Melanie, Michael, and Ben are checking out the venue for this benefit concert. It's a fancy hotel ballroom. And... The party planner in Emmett can't wait to get his hands all over this place. It looks, it looks great. <laughs> Gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, La Montage, I think it's called. It, yeah. I would love to host an event there. They have sold over 300 tickets for this event. And with the silent auction, they seem to make a good bit of money Yeah, on this whole deal. Emmett is planning to ask Drew if he'd be part of it. So that would be even more exposure and mm-hmm. publicity. It'd be good for Drew. It'd also be good for the the event true i mean this would be a good thing for drew to get out there because i mean right now his world is crashing down on him right he has been stripped of everything he's been suspended from his team he lost every endorsement possible out there 
He has his all his fans turned on him, even his close friends. The, the guy who was doing the interview with him was in disbelief that Drew right. was actually coming out. So, I mean, he's all teammates. Yeah. You know, they become like a family. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, like he he's been stripped of everything. I think this type of event and then him bringing his celebrity and bringing awareness, um, that would be something positive for him. He can see that maybe I need to hang up this helmet and pick up this activism thing, you know, because right. Drew, you have something there like you. You're the voice that this community is actually needing. So the fact that Emmett is thinking about even bringing Drew in, I think it's a great idea. Well, Roy Harris, the hotel manager, comes out to greet them. Melanie has been coordinating with him to get everything set up and he's been very helpful but he tells them not to thank him just yet. Uh, corporate just called. I hate when corporate calls. Yeah. Corporate just called, and they're not going to let him them hold the event there. At first, he tries to cover up the real reason, but he says there are a few very large and lucrative accounts that corporate is afraid of alienating, and they don't want to be seen as gay-friendly is how Melanie interprets it. Yeah, well, that's how we all interpret it. Yeah. But I understand. Like, I mean, it's not, it's not him. It's definitely not him. He has a job to to do. And it's just a tricky situation. Like, do you jeopardize everything for your cause, you know? And then what do you live? How do you survive? How do you do anything? We don't know how hard this man has worked to get to the position of being the hotel manager. It's a lot. So, I mean, it's just, it's just a terrible situation all around, period, for every party involved. Roy tells them that he personally supports what they are doing. He's been in a relationship for 15 years and he wants to protect it. But he also has to protect his job. And... I think it would be easy to jump all over him because he's not willing to defy his boss on this, but it's not that simple. And oftentimes people are forced to choose between their personal conviction and their livelihood. And we can all say what we might do in a hypothetical situation. But when it comes time for the rubber to meet the road, you have to really think about what you're willing to sacrifice. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I, I me personally, I can't fault him. Like, yes, I'm, I'm fucking pissed. I'm mad at the situation. Yeah. I'm mad at the higher ups. I'm mad at them looking at, oh, we're going to lose that on money on this, this, and that, instead of being more genuine within themselves. I can't fault the one man who was placed as a manager to deliver this badass news, you know? Right. Like you said, when the rubber meets the road, like, what are you willing to sacrifice? Yeah. I don't think I'm ever able to sacrifice my my family. Uh, I, just me personally. I don't think, I mean, like, I will, I'm going to do whatever I can and my power to be there to do what I need to do. But if it came down to me losing my job, uh, me losing my actual job, where I, I would have to, like, live on the street or whatever the case. I mean, that just puts, I mean, that's, oh, it's just difficult. It's yeah. a difficult decision. Some people are down for the cause, but they're not down for the cost. And yes. you can't really fault them for that. You know, throughout queer history, a lot of people have had to make that decision. People have their reasons why they choose what they choose. Like, I'll do, I'll go this far, but no further or right. whatever, you know, it kind of, I go back to season two when Michael shows up at Pride, but he's in drag. Mm -hmm. well, he That's where he was at at the time. He wasn't comfortable being fully out, right. you know, but he wanted to be there yeah. and physical for him, but not completely there. And so, yeah, people have kind of had to choose how far into this fight they can go. And, and you never know. Like, I mean, maybe that's where you stand today. Tomorrow, it's a new day. You may have a different stance, a different conviction. So, yeah. I mean, you just never know how you you really don't, you know, you re you really, really don't. <laughs> so because if we look back on Michael on season one and two and then where he is now, we see a lot of growth in between. I would never predict that Michael will be married to a man and out and proud because he right, can't even because, tell his co-workers. Right. You yeah. Know, or, or just uh, what was the girl name? 
Tracy. Oh, I couldn't even tell Tracy. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Exactly who he is. He leading her on, playing with her emotions. And we in just last episode, we got to see him go on that whole journey where he was like, okay, how much of the cost am I willing to pay for this whole thing? Exactly. When he removes the sign and then ultimately he ends up putting it back mm-hmm. in his front yard. Yeah. True. Theodore is uh, over at Kinetic, and he seems to be up to his old tricks at his laptop there. <laughs> well, Brian comes over and catches him, but he uh, he's in a self-pleasure-friendly environment now. <laughs> but that's not what Ted is doing. He's on the hunt for a husband, as Brian puts it. He's one of the latest homos to join the ranks of the defectors. <laughs> but there's not much disgust or animosity behind when Brian says it now because I think at this point he's just like, yeah. and he shouldn't be surprised. He's Ted's just always fun. wanted yeah. a relationship. Yeah. True. And he's just poking fun I because everybody's his, around him doing that. It's his standard response yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Ted lost his Jewish doctor because he didn't make the cut. Yeah. <laughs> And so he is trying husbandmaterial.com. I didn't look that up to see if it's a real one. You know, I'm always scared of computer viruses. Right. So. Well, when he said that, I was like, oh, I need to start an app. <laughs> like, I don't, because I, I, I'm pretty sure I would have heard that one by now. Like, yeah. husband, I was like, oh, we starting this app right now. We are going to get that going right after <laughs> yes. this session today. Yep. We need a distraction. That's going to be it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a website full of high quality guys like Ted who are looking for the perfect partner. And as he's looking through their profiles, they all like to cuddle after a long day. Brian doesn't feel like they are marketing the correct assets on this app. They're not. <laughs> yeah. Everybody doesn't like to cuddle. Everybody. Some people like to fuck. Period. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm right there with Brian. Like, let's keep it one thousand. Yeah, he takes Theodore to a different website, uh, Hot Men Down Under, and Brian finds a potential candidate there. But he is in Australia, which, ironically or surprisingly, is where Brian plans to be in less than forty eight hours. He just got a clean bill of health from the doctor. And he's completely cancer-free. Theodore jumps up to give him a hug, which Brian allows and accepts. And even, like, I like that he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, like, okay. But I feel like he's, like, excited to tell him that. Because I'm thinking Ted is probably the first and only person that he shared that news with. And he was the first person to share the news with Ted in the beginning. So Yeah, uh, like, that was the first person that mm-hmm. he voluntarily volunteered the information to. That's what mm-hmm. I'm looking for. So, in celebration, Brian is treating himself to a little trip to gay Mardi Gras in Sydney. And I'm totally cool with Brian catching a flight to Australia. Like, maybe it's been about a year since he was diagnosed with cancer. And he has had a lot of life happen in that time. A lot. Yeah. And I think remission is very important. It's a very important thing to celebrate. And with everything that's been going on, maybe he just needs to get away for a minute, Mm -hmm. have a little bit of fun that's not wrapped up in competing with Brandon or having to be anything other than a healthy single man. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned Brandon. I was so happy to see his ass. He's sort of sparkling in the sunlight, vampire twilight ass in this episode. Like, I, I was I'm happy. Thank yeah. God. Yes. He can just go, like, go back to patrol twilight. the back room. Or, hey, yeah. like, let's send him over to Meat Hook. Yeah, or, like, Meat Hook. Boy toy. That's where he needs to be. Yeah. Yes, going over to Meat Hook. Or boy toy. Yeah. You, you're not Babylon material, boo. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that they've been dressed in Bryant in a lot of all black or at least like monochrome colors lately. And the overanalyzer in me wants to have all kinds of fun with that, but we mustn't dwell. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps all that black and monochromatic stuff came in after his sunshine left. But again, we mustn't dwell. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lindsay is in the kitchen prepping some food. And you remember what happened Last episode, in case you didn't know, when Melanie walks in, we get this little flash of, yes. I guess it might have been the night before or something like that. I'm thinking it has to be. It was the night before. It had It to can't be. be that they've, this many days have gone by mm-hmm. without them talking about it. Yeah. 
Well, Melanie tells her the bad news about the venue, and then she tries to, like, leave and get a shower. I think it's still on her. You know, she's trying to, like, wash it off of her. Girl, it's still on her. But also, I mean, she's trying to wash it off of her, but she's trying to take that cold shower because it's so steamy. It was still, it was really still steamy. I mean, it was one of those things, like, you can see that you can cut the tension with a knife. When in there, but it's one of those conversations where they both feel awkward. I mean, you guys are separated. You haven't had an intimate connection like this. And I mean, God, who knows when? And it got hot and heavy real quick. Okay. I mean, from slaps to shirt ripping to, to everything. So it got hot and heavy very quickly. So the both of them probably feeling a little awkward. Yeah. So, I mean, she just want to escape the room any, any chance, any way she can. Well, she wants to escape the whole conversation. Yeah, period. I think. Yeah. Before she can get away, though, Lindsay shows her the vase that she has glued back together. And if you turn it a certain way, you can't even see the cracks. I needed Lindsay when I was a kid breaking all my grandmother's fancy porcelain. I mean, she, she, I mean, she says every piece, girl. You know when something shatters, like it gets a little bitty shards. Yeah, like into dust. Yes, the yeah. dust. Baby. I'll, she didn't put the dust back together because, I mean, did. and shined it up. It still got the new glow on it. Like yeah. the little shine on it. I was like, girl. She matched the pattern and everything. Everything. Yeah. Like, I mean, not one piece missing. <laughs> That yeah. one, nothing turned into a Michael Shard, nothing. Yeah. Like, I mean, she, girl, you badass. <laughs> yeah, well, this is, of course, Lindsay's pitch for them to possibly glue their relationship back together. But Melanie does not click on that. Lindsay asks her if they're just going to pretend nothing happened. And Mel says that she's not pretending. She hears that this happens to a lot of divorced couples. But it was a mistake, a momentary lapse in judgment. She thinks it would be best if they disregarded it and moved on. I'm just like, girl, say what you mean and mean what you say. Come on now. That look that you was looking at, Lindsay, in that moment when y'all was getting out hot and heavy and nasty, that wasn't a mistake. That wasn't a look of, of regret. That wasn't a look of mistake at all. That was looking like, I missed you. I needed this. This feels natural. It feels right. Yeah. Okay? And, and you know it felt right. It got Lindsay right to where she needed to be. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, it got her ass right on right. Melanie seems like the type of person to me who takes a long time to accept something but once she does, she doesn't like to look back. Right. And it took her a long time to let go. But now that she has, she wants to stick to that plan. Whether or not it's right, she's just like, nope, decision made, sticking mm-hmm. to it. I feel like she's, yeah, she's that kind of person. Because just the fact that she can't even like really stay there and engage in this conversation and just is like, nope, mistake. Let's forget about it. Let's move on. But Lindsay clearly doesn't want to disregard right. it. No, think, she yeah. doesn't. She wanted to talk about it. She thought that it was going to be like, turning over the new leaf. And I kind of felt for Lindsay in that moment. Like you could see that her heart was being crushed again. She was being vulnerable. She let her guards down because Lindsay was been for the first time last two seasons we've seen Lindsay be really tough. Um she's been standing up for herself. So Mel has not been running the show like she normally has. Lindsay's been controlling a lot of her own her own destiny, I guess you would say. And then the fact that she let you back into well I ain't gonna say let you back in life, but but y'all co- connected in that way. And she let those guards down again. And then you have a totally different perspective on, on what happened than she does. It was hurtful. And you could just see her face just crushing and breaking yeah. when um, when Mel was saying those things to her. Yeah, because I do think that she was hoping, okay, this can be the start of, at least the start of the conversation. Right. But no. Not saying we're we about to be right back in a relationship together. Yeah, but, but it's a good way to build. Mm-hmm. Justin is over at the diner with his second mom. He wants to know if Debbie ever dated a young man, a younger man. Well, until Carl came along, she was barely dating a living one. But if she had the choice, she would have jumped on it like she hopes Jennifer is doing. Oh, Lord. Debbie says that Jennifer is entitled to the same freedoms that Brian and Justin have or had. 
Then Debbie sneezes into her hand, and I don't see her moving to that sink fast enough for I'm my like, liking. Uh, baby girl, you about to handle somebody's food. Yeah. <laughs> so we know, don't eat at Debbie's. Don't eat at Debbie's. And don't, don't eat, eat at Michael's daughter. or or at or uh, Mel and Lindsay's. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't no food at the loft, and uh, yeah. I don't think I can eat at Justin's, so maybe, yeah. well, I don't know, maybe Ted's. Yeah, I probably would eat at Ted's. I would eat from Emmett when he had his own place. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Because now he at, he at the Nevadas, yeah. <laughs> so I would eat at Emmys because we know he can throw down. I'm not passing none of that shit up that he be cooking. Right, he throwing down, <laughs> and yeah, and I would definitely go to the loft. Like maybe Justin to come and cook something for us. Yeah, Justin will cook at the loft. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. uh Ted is also at the diner with potential husband number one. It is Lewis from the website. Ted is telling him that he has had his share of running around, but he's looking forward to spending quiet evenings at home. He liked that from Lewis's profile. Uh, Lewis has never really liked going out much. He tells Ted a story that starts off well involving the Partridge family and him as a little boy hoping for an autograph. And then things went very left. Like there was a stampede. Like, oh my. Oh my. Yeah. And ever since then, crowds have made him nervous. Debbie comes over to check on their date and to embarrass both of them. Um, but this was actually not a date. It was a troll test before the date. <laughs> but since no trolls were detected, they agreed to an official date. Ted invites Lewis to the benefit concert and Lewis reminds him about the crowds. And Ted is very understanding, but Lewis says, you know, my therapist told me to face my demons, so I'm going to try it. So Ben and Michael are on the phone trying to find a last minute venue. And I'm guessing it's like Wednesday or Thursday because they need a venue like this weekend that can accommodate at least three, four hundred people with a full sound setup. Did we not learn in season two from Melanie and Lindsay's wedding? You will not find a venue the week of the event. Period. <laughs> so I think they're just going to go to the Shickle residence yeah. and like fist fight Virginia. <laughs> like that's the only option. <laughs> like girl, I'm like em- send him and on over there and get my ass together <laughs> yeah. real quick. I didn't get to get you last yes, time. Yeah, okay, but, but I'm about time... to get I'm about to get your ass for real. <laughs> yeah. Everything they're trying is either booked or they don't want to be a part of this gay festival. Ben reminds Michael of one venue they haven't tried yet, but Michael is adamant that he will not ask Brian for anything. Okay, I know we're supposed to be done piling on Michael, and he is supposed to be back in our good graces, but Brian apologized to you, and let the record show you did not apologize to him. Michael has every right to say that that friendship has run its course, but if he was truly done and over it, there wouldn't be that much anger behind you refusing to do this. Yeah, if you're done, you're done. Why are you still holding on to it? Because, I mean, Brian did his part. He said his dues, whatever he needed to say to you. Yeah. You chose to refuse it, okay? You did not accept it. So why are you mad? Right. If anything, Brian should be upset that he put himself out there and was rejected, you know? So why, why are you so upset? Yeah. And also, you're not even cool with Brian, so why would you even fix your lips and take your little ragged ass on over there to ask me <laughs> for anything anyway? And I know we said we were done with Michael, but I'm not done with Michael ass. You know what I'm saying? This is some scandalous-ass, bullshit-ass friendship, yeah. okay? Like, the man came to you. You want to say that, oh, friendship is over, we done, but now you need me. Yeah. But now you need me. Ben, okay. don't even send him over there. Yeah, I know this isn't what's happening, but it's almost like Michael doesn't want to give Brian the chance to be the hero in this situation. Yep. It's like he is refusing to allow Brian to be the one to come to the rescue because of his hurt feelings and pride. It's mm-hmm. like, well, he's not for us, so I don't want him to do anything to help us out. I know that's probably not the issue, but my evil twin wanted me to say that, and she's just too powerful for me to resist sometimes. Right, and this is my <laughs> issue that I have with the whole thing. Bro, he loves you. He loves Ben. Just because he don't fuck with marriage does not mean he doesn't fuck with you. That's right. stupid. It's the whole pressure from yes. straight society yeah. that he's not 
down with. And from day one, like that's been Brian's whole thing. It'd be different. He just switched up because you got engaged and married really quickly. And then he was upset in his feelings. Then it would look like he was wanting you, but he was secretly wanting you. And you, you left him or something. Right. But he always had the stance. Mm-hmm. From day one, we met him. He did not change up. Also, the same shit that he said he didn't want to do. He didn't want to be like the straight people. Look what the straight motherfuckers are doing. He didn't want to have no part in that yeah, shit. Yeah, the ones that you're trying to make happy yes. or make okay with you. Look what they're doing to Look you now. Look what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's give Brian a round of applause, damn it. He never gets his flowers. We always, and I'm, go back on the other season, you'll hear me trashing the fuck out of Brian. Yes, you will hear me cra- trashing him. But we never give him his flowers. This man shows up and shows out for his friends and family every single fucking time. We may not like his delivery, but he shows up and he shows the fuck out. And we don't never give him the praise that we should be giving him. Period. And yeah. It just got me upset. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a little angry. I'm a little he angry. He got me. Uh, okay. I'm going to try to keep it Ooh. together. Okay. Let's just say that Michael is still mad at Brian, even after Brian apologized and gave you an opening to address that issue with him. Like you could have taken that opportunity at that art show to, okay, well, here's why I'm upset. You know, you could have tried to have a conversation, but anyway, yep. surely Michael knows that Brian would still give him anything that he needs. Brian may have all kinds of personality issues, but he's a very giving person with the people he loves. Ben feels that they should be able to put aside their differences for one night for something important. So that tells me Michael didn't even tell Ben about Brian trying to apologize. Yep. Michael is sorry. He tells Ben, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to do it. And Ben says, well, we'll have to call the center and tell them, tell them that we're going to have to cancel. Ben is the master of passive aggression. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Okay, and I want to clarify, I'm not saying Michael should quickly and easily forgive Brian, but Michael was just as out of line, if not more so, in this whole thing. And he's making it seem as though he has done nothing wrong. I think that is what really gets under my skin about Michael. He never accepts any wrong, any blame for what he has done. No, no, he don't take any responsibility for anything. My thing is, yes, you don't have to rush to go back to being best friends and shit. But that conversation, that was a moment for you to have a conversation. Even if you didn't want to have a conversation in that moment because you're at an art gallery, an art showing, you could have said, hey, I appreciate that, but th- this is not the time and place. Let's yeah. have this. Let's meet for coffee. Let's have or whatever yeah, the fuck I'll come y'all by meet kinetic for. or you yeah. come by the shop. Like, we'll yeah. talk later. Let's, let's talk. Whatever the fuck's. Nothing. Y'all got to be buddy, buddy, best friends, whatever the case. But this is your best friend of 15, 20 years. You can clear the air. Okay, yeah. you can clear the air and then y'all can work on the build. But like you said, this man takes no responsibility. He's always blaming, 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 blaming me, 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 me. Whoa, it's me. Shut the fuck up. Okay, like shut <laughs> yeah. up. I fully respect his right to feel however he feels and to not want to associate with Brian. I even respect his right to reject Brian's apology. But at some point, this kind of situation becomes about you and not about the other person anymore. Yep. And all this is, is very recent. I don't think that much time has passed, maybe a few weeks or a month or so. But um, I just, yeah, I'm a little, little done on him. I know. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I noticed that Ben and Michael are dressed very similarly in this episode. And I feel like that's on purpose. Like they're supposed to be like presenting this unit, this front, like they're a married couple. And so they're uniform. But I also wonder if it's like a little bit of a hint to conformity, you know? Right. In the true. U- the uniform of the defectors. True. No, for real. Because <laughs> usually Michael's in a graphic tee, yeah. jeans, you know, that sort of thing. But real he childish. Is, yeah, he looks very much like being here. So they're they kind of just like bland kind of thing. Very um, bland. They need a little seasoning. Yeah. <laughs> well, over at the loft, Brian is with 
some Australian getting travel advice and really, you know, just killing two birds with one stone. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) There is a knock at the door and Brian's phone is ringing. Brian is trying to ignore all of this for just a moment longer, but he eventually goes to open the door and it is Ted with a work emergency. It turns out this is about the Brown Athletics account. Leo Brown heard about Drew Boyd and he wants another spokesman for his campaign. Mm. They don't want the gay guy modeling their underwear. Even though they have already finalized all these plans and contracts and all this other stuff, they want Brian to find a replacement or else. Capitalism strikes again. It's all about the dollar bill. That's just some bullshit right there. Like, this man is still going to have the same power. You know, Now you're just going to get a different demographic. Like, well, how many men buy their own underwear? Unless they they're single. Mostly it's their, yeah, wives, their wives buying them. Yes. Their wives are probably still going to find Drew attractive. They are. They so, are. But if yeah. not more, because now you always want what you can't have. Right. Okay. So if not more, like, oh, why are you wasting all that good meat with them? You know, <laughs> yeah. because he with us. All right. He is with us. But I mean, that's just silly right there. And I mean, I know this is out of Brian's hands because Brian is not making this call. But to even threaten Brian, a man who for years has handled your accounts from when he was at um, Garden Advance um, to Kinetic Now. This man has always delivered for you, gave you the utmost, made you millions probably of dollars yeah. in your own pockets. But because Drew comes out, you give Brian an ultimatum, let him go or else. I didn't like that at all. That was yeah. some childish, fucked up ass shit. And guys, I just want to say, I'm sorry for all the language that I'm using this time. It's just going to be that yeah, kind of episode, It's that okay? kind of episode for me. Like, <laughs> I wish I had. I normally have a smile on my face the when I'm doing this. The emotions are on 15. Yeah, like I, I do. Normally, I just, I'm sad. Like, yeah. I can't. I can't <laughs> smile. Just bear with us. I know. Yeah. Uh, Drew is watching the sports channel, and two guys are talking about him. One says that a gay player is a, is disruptive to a team. Okay, why? The other guy, Brad Dunn, thinks that is ridiculous. It's not like Drew was going to go chasing them around the locker room. Facts. The not Brad Dunn guy says that by announcing himself as gay, Drew has separated himself from the team and disrupted the spirit of unity and it can never be repaired. Oh my god. He gosh. didn't separate himself from the team. Yeah. Now that you know who he's fucking, it doesn't make any difference. That's the only difference that that's that's the only thing that you know now. Okay. And then two, I'm pretty sure there's a shit ton of them on that team. They were smart enough to keep that shit under wraps. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah. For real. We talked about this in the last episode. Like the difference between a homosexual person having to come out and a straight person not having yeah. to come out. You know, it's I ridiculous. mean, how many athletes do we know cheat on their wives? How many? You know, Thank you. And why is none of that disruptive? Thank okay, you. that the American family, the family values sort of thing, should be a husband and a wife in a faithful relationship. Okay, if you know that your teammate's cheating on his wife, why is that not disrupting the team? Facts. I just mm, anyway. Mr. Trash Person says their only option is to get rid of him. Emmett comes in to the hotel room and he catches Drew watching this and immediately turns it off. And this is what we were saying. Like, Drew stands to lose everything and mm-hmm. he is slowly seeing it all kind of unravel. Out in front of him. Yeah. yeah. Like, true, he can be himself, but I think Drew is really going to have to figure out who that is. I don't think it's an e- it's as easy as, okay, I'm out of the closet now. Everything's going to be perfect. And I won't be affected by the negativity because at least I'm out and I'm true to myself. No, nah, like, it doesn't work It's not work that like easy. No, nah, it doesn't. And, um, you know, I, what I like on this, what I love about our podcast, I, I get to give true testimonies. And yeah. when you are a football player, that's something that you live and breathe every fucking day. I grew up playing football my entire life. I was really good at it. You know, like I was really, mm-hmm. really, really good at it. I could have taken it so much further than I did. 
when I got out of college and I didn't play football anymore, it was one of those things like, who am I? It kind of defined who you were. That's what you, that was your job. That's what you thought about constantly. That's what you were good at. So I kind of feel, I feel for Drew. I ain't going to kind of feel. I feel for Drew because I know exactly what he's going through. But he's, he's a celebrity on a major scale. And he's hearing his life being dictated by others. Outsiders who don't even know him are telling his life, telling his stories of what they would have done or what he should have done. And, and I mean, it's just, it's, it's a sucky ass situation because this boy has devoted his entire life to the field and he's won championship after championship after championship from high school to college to professional ball. He signed autographs, kissed babies. He did everything he needed to do to be successful in that industry. And then the one time he comes out and be authentic in himself, you guys toss him out like he's some fucking trash. Yeah. And he has to sit there and take it. He can't even retaliate. He can't even say anything on you. Like, it's just, it's fucked up. It really is. And, you know, we talk a lot about how, well, not we on our podcast, but just America talks a lot about how overpaid athletes are or whatever. But they really do give a lot. They sacrifice a lot of their time and a lot of their bodies in their privacy, like all of that to this game and to their team. And he has been given that for years, years. And with no return on that investment. None. I mean, yeah, he's got money in his pocket, but like, what is that doing for him? And barely that now. That's stripping it. Like, yeah. They're, they're I mean, if they're taking your endorsements, endorsements and, away. Yeah. You're not getting to play because they've yeah. suspended you. Like, you can't play. And everybody knows that, yes, playing is where you get money from, but you get all your money from the contracts it's outside really the of that. It's really the endorsements. It's yeah. the endorsements. So you're already saying that, oh, we love you, but we're going to suspend you until all this blow over. No, this shit ain't going to blow over. No other team's going to yeah, want to pick you up. Period. He's going to so. be gay for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Period. So he's, no, no team's going to pick him up. Then he losing all the endorsements. So what, 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 what job is that? If the whole NFL is outcasting him, then he, that means he can't even transfer over to do sports casting. He's basically a black sheep and an outcast. What is yeah. he supposed to do? Go get a job at Torso? Yeah. I mean, like, what the <laughs> hell? Exactly. The outrage that we feel on his behalf. I'm sure Drew moved to this hotel to take the burden off Debbie and Carl because, you know, the paparazzi were everywhere. But he's also isolating himself, which is not good. When you have something major like this happening. I felt like he was going to be suicidal. I said, I said, oh, Lord, please don't let this baby be suicidal. Because when you all alone and then the entire world is on your back, mm-hmm. you know, I ain't going to say world, but the entire United States is on your back. I mean, with the foot in your neck. And then you've kept this secret for so long and then you finally put it out there. Yeah. Now, like they have every single thing about me. They yeah. have all of it and they're using it against me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's... also it could turn the other way. He could go into like want to bash gay people because. He was like, you know, it could easily be like, I, I had this under control. And then you guys came into this shit, you know what I'm saying, and and made me fuck everything up. You know, like, I mean, it could just turn bad for all parties. Yeah. I just saw, I saw it being not a good thing. Like, yeah. Very, very bad. Well, Emmett has brought some uh, Lana Turner with him. Lana may do it for Emmett, but she does not do it for Drew. Emmett says maybe he should come with, with him to the benefit. Maybe Drew should come to the benefit, meet some of his gay fans, hear about how He's become their role model. Drew doesn't want to be a professional gay person. He wants to be a professional ball player. That's yeah. who he is. And a lot of people feel that way. It's like, I don't want to be the poster child for this. Now, I think that that is, that's a tricky thing. It's a fine because line. Because sometimes you do need to be the poster boy for that. But I get where he's coming from saying, I just want to play football. I want to be, I want people to know me because they know how well I play the sport, not because of what I do in my personal time. Facts. It kind of goes like in real life, like Little Nas X, he had mentioned. I don't want to, I didn't ask to be a role model. I asked to be a rapper entertainer. I want to be true and authentic to myself. So that's basically what Drew is saying. Like, I didn't ask to be a role model. And at this point in, of the game right now, he can't see the positives that he could actually do. 
uh, right. where all the doors could open up for him just on a different avenue, like the ones, not the ones that he think that he can have open for him, but a whole different door that could open for him. He just can't see it at the moment because he's hurt and he doesn't want to be a role model. He probably doesn't want to do anything but just play football and get his life back to normal, somewhat normal. He doesn't want to go out and, and meet all these different people and have to tell his story again. He's probably still ashamed and nervous. I remember coming out, I, I was proud to be gay, but I remember I did not want to tell. Like, I didn't want to say it. Like, it was hard for me to actually say those words. Like, yeah, man. Um, I think I told y'all before, I was like, yeah, I'm gay, but I ain't that type of gay. Yeah. yeah I mean, it was always well, already some type apologizing of... Yeah, already apologizing for yourself. Yeah. Exactly. And th that's just where he is right now in this, in this stage. And it's fresh and it's sad, but it happens. I think we all kind of go through that. Yeah. With the mood that Drew is in, Emmett decides to see himself out. And he wishes Drew well for his upcoming photo shoot. Only there isn't going to be one because Kenny called to tell Drew that he was fired. Drew has now officially lost everything. And he says he didn't expect it to be that bad. Emmett says, well, you haven't lost me, but Drew just kind of wants some time alone. He's clearly depressed about the whole thing and angry. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of that anger is directed toward Emmett. It's almost similar to what Brian went through in season one and two. When he basically kind of punished Justin for making him feel things. Emmett stirred something in Drew and he held him accountable. He spoke the cold, hard truth to him. And all that was good. And it helped Drew get to this place where he is now. The point where he could be honest with himself. But right now it's looking like it wasn't worth it. Right. As Emmett is leaving, you can tell that a part of Drew wants to stop him. But I think he's just got a lot going on. He's like, I can't, I can't give any emotion yeah, to that right now. He just has to work through like. He, we all, you can feel that he cares for Drew. I mean, cares for Emmett. And we know Emmett cares for Drew. But I mean, he has so much emotionally going on. I don't think he can give Emmett what Emmett would need because Emmett right. has a lot of positivity. Like, I see the other end of the rainbow. Like, I see the other side and the happiness and the grass yeah. is greener. Drew can't see any of that. He's in a negative place right now. So yeah. I think it was probably best for Emmett to go ahead and go because um, sometimes you have to just sort your own problems out. Yeah, you know? and I really don't think it would have been good for Emmett to take all the pain away because Drew mm -hmm. really did need to find himself yes. through all of this. Yes. I think that's an important journey that he needs to go on. He needs to find himself. Yes, exactly, exactly. He has to feel that hurt and know that he can overcome it. So right. when something that he's faced with another, because it doesn't ever end. Right. <laughs> you're always going to be fighting. It's gonna always going to come up everywhere yes. you go. Yeah. Now, because you're on a public scale, everybody's mm -hmm. going to know you're the gay man. Facts. So, yeah. Yeah. So he needs to know how to handle this and how to weather these these emotions that he's feeling. And I thought Emmett leaving was the perfect thing for them to do. Melanie and Corinne are walking home from yet another date. It's cold, and Corinne offers to warm Melanie up uh, back at her place. Melanie pumps the brakes on that, and Corinne already knows that this must be about Lindsay. The, the penguins gave Melanie away. And it's like, what is that? Well, she tells her a story. It's like, everything that we talk about, you find a way to turn it back to Lindsay. <laughs> like, remember the lamb from their first date? Yes. She's like, oh, Lindsay makes a great lamb. Yeah. She has, like, mentionitis is what I like to call it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you just keep mentioning, yeah, yes. mentionitis, yeah. Corinne understands, but she tells Melanie, to be fair next time, don't let someone think they have a chance if they don't. You pointed out, um, Melanie told her, I'm she not told ready. You, I'm not ready. And you was like, well, just a girl got to eat. Yeah. Okay, bitch, <laughs> spin them coins because I'm going to eat. But I told you as I wasn't ready. Okay? Yeah. You did that to yourself. Don't try to say that she led you on because she didn't. But yeah, Melanie's hair is doing that thing I don't like in this scene. <laughs> and that high neck on that coat is not helping. No. <laughs> she needs like a deep V yeah. or a boat neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Brian and Theodore are solving the male model crisis back at Kinetic. They have a straight candidate and several teenage girls who will attest to his straightness. Leo Brown would rather have someone taking advantage of teenage girls than a gay person. Yeah, that checks out for uh, but, America. But yeah. for real, though, that's insane. Yeah, it is. Me. How crazy is that? You would rather have a little molester running around here that that portrays to be straight. Well, she told me she was 18. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah one of those. Rather than have someone who is secure in themselves and, and comfortable to come yep. out to the world and still be a badass ball player, you know, like it's just ridiculous. It yep. makes no sense. Well, Brian signs off on it. And, you know, this goes back to what we talked about earlier. Brian could have refused to meet his client's demands and stood in solidarity with a fellow gay man, but it would have cost Brian one of his biggest accounts. Yeah. Like, this is the world that we operate in. And unfortunately, a lot of big corporations are owned by people who fit a certain mold. And I think Brian knows it's not right, but Brian also knows at the end of the day, Leo Brown is still lining a gay man's pocket. So that he's part. like, well, I'm still getting my money. So yeah. I think that's how he justifies it to himself. True. I can't fault Brian. I'm not faulting anybody who's in a, a work situation, a professional situation. I'm not faulting them at all because, I mean, you still got to be able to take care of your family and stuff. Yeah. And if, if anyone else had, thinks differently, I mean, I respect your opinion, but you also have to respect mine. Like, I'm not going to jeopardize my family. If push comes to show, because we already know Brian does a lot of things behind the scenes for the community. Well, like I said, Brian is a gay man and yeah. he's still making money off exactly. of this. We'll still... get into that later. But yeah, he is, is like, you know, and Leo Brown may be okay with queer people, but his customers may not exactly. be. Exactly. So he had to make, after this, fuck Brown Athletics. I mean, if that was a real company, I wouldn't even fuck with him. Right. I'm, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, it, it's, I wouldn't. Uh, but I would still fuck with Kinetic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, Kinetic got the best commercials. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I would work, I will still work with them. I can't fault the other person, but I, what I can do is fault the person who's going to pull the accounts just because of someone's sexuality. And isn't that illegal? Could that, is that illegal? You know, those rights aren't always protected. And then, then people always hide it under something else. They say, well, that's not why we got rid of him. It was just like the bad publicity it had nothing to do with him, him being gay. We love gay people. Our, the guy who owns the company we use is gay. You know, so right, it's that yeah. whole sort mm -hmm. of thing. They hide it behind a bunch of My best of friend is gay. Yeah. I have one gay friend. <laughs> yes, get the fuck out I of here. I saw a gay person in my grocery store. Yes, so. okay. And I said, hey, girl. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. But it's interesting how we see all the ways that people and corporations all bow and bend a knee to something, usually the almighty dollar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Ted is about to leave Brian's office, and Michael is there knocking at the door. Ted genuinely looks happy to see Michael there. And I'm sure he's hoping that this means that they can start mending the fence. Brian, I'm not happy to see him. I know. Brian tries to act uninterested and, and tells Ted to take his guests with him. But Michael is there to see Brian. Michael says that he won't waste too much of Brian's time. He will get right to the point. Brian says, well, the point being you need something, which, of course, like, why Facts. else would he come down there? Despite what Brian hoped, Michael is not there to apologize. Michael feels that Brian is the one who owes him apology. But he did. Yeah, he did not find the one that Brian offered to be sincere. His apology well, was sincere because what Debbie said was true. He really doesn't have a problem with Michael being married and buying a house and raising kids. And we know what Brian does. He leads with the ridiculous stuff yes. and he ends with the serious stuff. So what would he Michael led, want? Yeah, he mm -hmm. led with, if you want to be a separate gay, whatever. But then he ultimately was like, I just want us to be friends again. I mean, that is a, a Brian Kenny apology. That was heartfelt. Like, I felt that. And everybody knows that I was never the biggest fan of Brian. But I know how Brian operates. And Michael, you know better than anyone how Brian operates, period. That is, that was a genuine apology. Yeah. The fact that he pulled you away 
He didn't have to say shit to you. He could have left it where it was. You would need him before he needs you. Exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah. he he wanted you back. He he came over you. Say what he needed to say. He came in for a hug. The man was done with the shits. Okay. Yeah. You the one who put the uh boop, 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 stop. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Stop in the name of love, hand up type <laughs> shit. And then even give him the hug and tell him that the friendship was over. What you mean the apology wasn't genuine? Yeah. I'm just like so I'm I just want to slap yeah, his ass. I'm like, very, okay. So yeah, this was a genuine apology. It was worded in true Kenny fashion, but Brian would not have said it if he didn't mean it. And it really sucks to be misunderstood by the people who should know you best. Like that yes. hurts. That personally, when that happens in my life, that hurts. Yes, it is because you like, should really, know that's me. That's what you think of me, mm-hmm. or really mm, that that mm-hmm, yeah, that hurts. No matter, that is not why Michael is here. They lost La Montage, and they have tried every place in town, and they everywhere is booked. Every place except for Babylon. Mm, I would have said hell no. Yeah, Brian finds that amusing. Michael wants nothing to do with his world until, of course, he needs it to help his own world. And ain't that the truth? Mm-hmm. Michael has shaded and shamed Brian for buying Babylon. And now look, oh, how we come crawling back when ah! we fall off our very high horse. Yeah, <laughs> slithering on your belly. Yeah. Well, that was my evil twin again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I think Brian's comment came from that de- defensive part of him and that part of him that's hurt. He can't help himself. And really, Michael just offended and hurt him again by saying his apology wasn't sincere. Brian already knew what his answer would be before Michael even got to that question. But before Brian can even answer, the defensive part of Michael says, this has nothing to do with my world versus your world, but since it's going to be a problem, forget it. Well, Brian didn't say he couldn't have it. He asked how much they were going to pay for the hotel. The answer was $10,000. And Michael says, oh, we'll pay you the same. Brian says, no, you won't. And Michael is set off again. You're not going to gouge us just because we're desperate. And actually, he could yes, have. Yes, bitch. You are yeah, desperate. And it's last it's like minute. tomorrow yes. or whatever. Last minute. <laughs> yeah. I actually could. Because that means I got to cancel my show right. that I had going. I've my already teams played. and thousands. Yeah. Yeah. My people who were planning to make money that night, I've got to pay them yes. or whatever. Exactly. Because yeah. oh, well, just because you want to have your event, my bartenders and my servers, or I mean, my bartenders and my dancers, they're not going to get paid? Right. They're not going to have work? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I could. But what Brian meant was there is no charge. There's a moment of realization on Michael's face when he sees that he was totally wrong. Not only is Brian going to let you use his club, but he's going to let you pocket the $10,000 as his donation to the cause. And Michael came down there all high and mighty, you know? So anyway, and I think he's done being hurt by it all. I think at this point, Brian's just like, you know what? I can't, I can't change it. But I think this whole thing is just like, you think that little of me. Mm-hmm. You really think that little of me. Like, I would deny you anything. When have I ever right, exactly. denied you anything? Michael doesn't know what to say. And Brian says, how about thanks? And then he tells Michael to excuse him so he can get back to his decadent lifestyle. <laughs> um, from season one, I have always felt that Brian was bothered by the gang's very low and narrow opinion of him. And when they would make all these assumptions about him, yes, Brian went along with it, sometimes even played into it. But I think he's been hoping that someone in his life would see beyond that. Now, they would from time to time, Justin probably more so and consistently than anyone else, but Michael so easily made all these assumptions and accusations against Brian, and he expects so little of him in this scene. Right. And that look of surprise when Brian says you can have it for free, that probably hurts more than anything else that Michael has done or said this season. Yep. Melanie comes home with flowers, and Lindsay is speaking with Jennifer about the housing market, 
Jennifer understands that they want to sell, and Melanie understands that they were still talking about it. Lindsay, don't you pull my precious Jennifer into this mess. <laughs> I know. Well, you know what? Um, Lindsay was like, I'm calling your bluff. <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad they always going to... Listen, they probably had a million realtors or whatever the fuck, but I'm glad they always use Jennifer. Yes, me too. So, the, mean, whole, the whole game. The whole game, girl. Yeah. Get them coins, okay? <laughs> For real. Get them coins. Gay people, we loyal, okay? <laughs> we are loyal. Okay, gay people loyal. And um, Jennifer, she's in the family, all right? Yeah. So get to them coins, okay? I ain't mad at Jennifer. And Jennifer right in there smiling, oh, Okay. Jennifer, I'm mad at Lizzie. Yeah. Don't pull her up and, you know, if y'all weren't ready to sell, don't have her up in here. Well, hell, the last time Jennifer, <laughs> I mean, Melanie and Lindsay talked, I mean, it was a mistake. That's true. That was, that's know? true. So, yeah. I mean, shit, to me, it sounded like you was ready to sell. Yeah. I'm right there with Lindsay. Uh, look, Jennifer, get them coins. <laughs> Take them all. Get them now, girl. Why, why is the getting is good? Yeah. The market is good. We ain't in no recession, no nothing. Get that house. Yeah. Lindsay is eager to start uh, showing the house and asks what Melanie thinks things in front of company melanie pretends that she's on board with this that's how you know that therapy they've been doing is worth the money because you know melanie doesn't mind causing a scene for real (laughs) but i think she's really just totally caught off guard here jennifer leaves playing to see them tomorrow at the benefit melanie was expecting none of this when she walked in the door but Lindsay says she thought they were on the same page about getting on with their lives but Um, this is what i say say what you mean to me what you say you could have said um we were but i thought about it boo these flowers right. are for you. You light up my life just like these flowers are going to light up this room. Yeah, okay, like, I took last night to think on it. Yeah. And really, if there is a way we could try, I want to try. Facts. I mean, I'm kind of like Lindsay. Like, I'm not fixing to wait around. Like, Lindsay did it the first time. She tried to be cool with you. And she said, I know I fucked up. I'm going to give you a time. You know, she waited six, seven months. You still being mean. It was time for her to gather her shit and, and, and beat the feet. And she did. She left. Now, she didn't came back. Y'all had y'all little fling. She thought it was going to be something else. You said it was a mistake. And no, 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 no. All this and that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take my little cold shower. Whatever. So you come home the next day. She ready. Lindsay don't procrastinate. Yeah. Okay? I think Lindsay's doing it out of anger. but She is. Yeah. But baby, sometimes you got to do some shit out of anger. Like, <laughs> I'm the type of motherfucker. I will tell on myself to get a motherfucking trouble. Okay. You will. I will tell You're on myself. You're the one who will cut off yes. your, oh, is it cold off your nose and spite your face? But bullshit yeah. you not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm right there with Lindsay. I, girl, I ain't mad at you. Get some act right out of her ass. Make her speak up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, those feelings are very hurt behind this whole Korean situation. Yeah. But if she can't handle Melanie dating someone else, unless she heard they were not going to get back together, maybe this arrangement really just isn't going to work. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, she should have never went into it thinking that, oh, we're going to do this in-house living and we're going to get back together. It That wasn't the thing. Like... It was in-house living because, bitch, you couldn't afford the apartment. It was in-house <laughs> living because... one of us could. Yeah, neither <laughs> yeah. that part. And then, I mean, the commute... You, you're spending all your time at the house. You might as well be paying some rent, some mortgage, or some shit over there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you bringing the kids every other day. That's gas. And if it was gas <laughs> prices up today, bitch, you'll be really broke. I mean, you'll be on the bus. They'll be pushing your ass in the stroller with the plastic <laughs> thing around it. You know what I'm saying? Like, hell no. Girl. Shit. So, Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Annabelle took me out. <laughs> Sorry, you know when oh I get the going, girl. When I get the, when I get the going, I'm just saying she went into that with the wrong idea. You know what I'm uh, over at the gym, Brian is trying to do his bicep curls, and Emmett is lecturing him. He can't believe that Brian fired Drew. 
I mean, he really had no choice. But yeah, no, he had no choice. Even if he keeps Kinetic's contract with Drew, he can't force the client to work with that model. Mm-hmm. So Brian says this is business, not a support group. Well, still, Emmett doesn't understand how Brian, a gay man, can cave to blatant homophobia. Well, Brian pulls over an expert to explain it. And I don't think it's just about the money. But anyway, but he... But he has a whole business that he has to run. So again, I'm not faulting Brian. Like... I mean, this is this is his whole life. This is investments. Like, well, this is what he yeah. he's given his last year yeah, to, so you know. I mean, but anyway, Theodore steps into Brian's office and says they would lose a twenty million dollar account that <clears> generates two million dollars in profits per year for Kinetic, and that's just one client. Two yeah. million is just for one client. Yeah, and Brian says Emmett can chastise him all he wants, but he shouldn't have to lose a twenty million dollar account just because Drew announced that he is queer. And look, Brian is a gay man. Ted's a gay man. I'm sure Brian is open to employing any kind of anybody at his company. And you know he, he just is. wants the best. He doesn't care what color you are, what gender you are, what your sexuality is. And so he Brian, in his perform. own way, I'm sure, is mm-hmm. doing a good thing. And so it's like, if I had to take their money, if this is how I have to get it, I mean, I kind of, business-wise, I kind of understand. Exactly. And I, I feel mean, like Brian's taking a lot of flack for stuff that's not his fault. It, it isn't, <laughs> but I mean, like, it's just misplaced anger. And I mean, and also, Brian is the only one that Emmett knows. Like, yeah. I mean, he doesn't know Brown Athletics, but he knows he can go right to Brian and have a face-to-face. What I do love is that Emmett is never afraid to um to stand yeah. up to anybody because it takes a strong... Ted would have never stood up to Brian, yeah. you know? Yeah, Emmett has, since season one, yeah. Emmett has never exactly. minded standing up to him. It takes a strong individual individual to actually stand up to Brian Kenny because he can be intimidated just by looking at you, let alone what he says, you know? So the fact that Emmett goes there... And, and gives him a piece of his mind and just reads him down or whatever. It, it, it just makes, it just reaffirms the love that I have for Emmett because Emmett cares for everyone. He cares for the cause. I mean, he's gay through and through and, and he's down for Drew. And yeah. I mean, it was just like, he's there advocating for his man. He's there advocating for all the gays. He's advocating for everyone, but that's just misplaced. Like, yeah. Take your last, you should have did that on your last segment. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, e- you know, even if Brian tried to stand up to that client, they're not going to change their they're mind. Not, they're not going to fold. So you're still not, Drew's still not going to get to do this. And, and so, all you did was, so Drew's not going to do it, and Brian lost 20 mil or 2 mil, 22 mil. Okay. And then what about his, cl- you know, that's Ted's salary. Yeah, that's Brian's salary. Exactly. What about the people so, that Brian employs? Thank like, you. what about them? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Ted's going to be unemployed again, then back <laughs> on to hitting Dr. C up. And oh, we don't no. want him no, we C. cannot go backwards. No, and we don't no. want him hitting Blake ass up either at the rehab. Like we don't, we don't want none of that because we know when he ain't working, he bad. It's not good. Yeah, it ain't a good look. So <laughs> yeah. no, that ain't, that ain't the look. So sorry, Emmett. Emmett tells Brian that he's unbelievable, but he doesn't mean that in a in a good way. But I think you know at this point, Brian's feeling like, yeah, you're the second or third person in line to tell me that. So yeah, I love that Brian is never unbothered. I love that Brian is never bothered. He's always unbothered. Yeah, or like, even if he is, he's just like. He knows that he's not going to change Emmett's mind yeah. right now. He knows that this is probably about something that is not to do with him. And so he's just like, whatever. Yeah. You know? I like how he can like just. He can keep his convictions. Yes. I love that. Is it um compartmentalized? He can do that. Like he has different like little yeah. departments for everybody. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Can. Departments. He just puts that. Oh, drop it over here. I'm going to keep my day going. You know, and he just he keeps doing that. And he never lets he never wears it on his sleeve. I'm pretty sure, like you said, it does affect him a lot because yeah. he is a In caring person. In those quiet moments at yeah. home at night alone. Yeah. But. He's he's not going to let it affect his rational decision-making. Exactly. Exactly. Later that evening, Justin is on the street fixing some of the posters to change the location to Babylon. A familiar green Corvette rolls up. Justin doesn't immediately see Brian, but Brian sees him. 
And he's able to just look at Justin and kind of take him in. And for a moment, he doesn't have to pretend like everything is fine. Like he doesn't miss him. He doesn't have to school his features and wear that mask of indifference. He can just look at him and want him, even if he has no intention of doing anything about it. Yep. I submerged myself way too deeply into this episode. So I don't know if this was intentional, but I like that Brian finds Justin under a streetlight because... That's like a callback to the pilot episode where he spotted Justin standing under a similar light and was drawn to him. And I just like to imagine that their whole story from that night forward and everything that Justin has become in Brian's life and everything that Brian has done and become in response to that relationship is playing in Brian's mind right in here in this scene. And I imagine there's a question of, Am I really going to let that go swimming around in his mind somewhere? It was a cute scene. Yeah. Because Justin had no idea. So before Justin realized he was there, he was able, like you said, able to like just enjoy just yeah, looking at him. Yeah, and miss what was yeah. and just really just look at him. And I think that there's some bonus features somewhere and it talks about how one of Brian's guilty pleasures is watching Justin in his sleep. And uh, Yeah, no, I believe that. Yeah, and I think it's just like looking at this man who has meant so much to you and changed so much about you and the fact that it could be someone so young maybe that's well someone so unexpected is what it is they they, i love the what they're trying what they do is they really paint two different people who Mm -hmm. should not be together should Mm -hmm. not like the age gap the personality differences that kind of thing who should not be together but are so perfect for each other in a way yeah but anyway i just love that he kind of gets to watch him for a minute, but Justin does eventually notice Brian's car and he walks over. And how cute is that little smile that Justin tries to hide when he looks over and notices that Brian has been watching him? And Brian says, so you're back to work in the streets. Thanks to Brian, Justin is. With that simple sentence, Justin is able to say a lot. He's thanking Brian for what he's doing and acknowledging the good in Brian without sounding surprised by it. He's like, mm-hmm. I know you did this. Thanks for, But he, you know, he's not like, wow, I can't believe you did it because Justin knows Brian's heart. He knows that he's a good person. And I think Brian registers all of that. And Justin knows that there's no need to say more. Yeah. That little sentence, he knows. And he does ask if Brian is coming, but that won't be happening in any of Justin's wildest homosexual fantasies. Justin thought that since Brian gave them the club, uh, maybe that meant he was going to come. And uh, he's going to come already. (laughs) Brian says, That's not in Babylon. Right. Brian says, Well, how could I say no to my oldest and dearest friend? He says it with a lot of sarcasm, but it's the truth. He's, I was never going to say, I was never going to say no to Michael. Never. Yeah. And then Justin says, well, it is to protect the rights of every gay person in the state, including yours. But um, they're, they're going to have to fight the good fight without Brian. He will be tanning down under and perhaps a little on top. Ah! Because, of course, he's going to be in Australia at Gay Mardi Gras, the gayest place on earth, except for Disneyland. Uh, then there is a silence between them. And it's not just because of the awkwardness of how they're trying to figure out how to be and act around each other. I think it's the moment of like, oh, yeah, we've kind of got like different, like conflicting priorities right now. And just it's a very like pregnant pause to me. My thing was they're so comfortable with each other, like they're best friends. Like, I think to be someone's lover, you have to be their friend first. And they didn't start out as friends, but he grew. He just always saw Brian as a friend and a lover. Brian has grown to love Justin as a friend, as a man, and as a lover. So they don't have to say too much. I don't, it wasn't awkward in the pause, whatever. It's like, I said, I need to say, you know me, like him saying I'm going down under. That was totally Brian. Justin gets him. 
there's not a lot you have to say after that. To me, it wasn't awkward. It was like, they said what they needed to say. It was a quick little banter. I love you. I know your heart. Like, it's, I don't have to say certain things to you because you know me. I know you. Same thing with them. A lot of things don't have to be said. Something that's already understood doesn't have to be explained. Right. And um, that's where they are. Yeah, I, but I do feel like they kind of don't, this is a new territory. Like, they are friends, but they've been friends and lovers. And to just be friends, I think, is something that they're still having to figure out. But because there is so much love there, it can happen. Yeah. But I think they still, it's just new territory. True. I mean, because normally a scene like that, he probably would have ended it with, won't you come get in this ride and suck on this, you know what I'm saying, or whatever yeah, he or said. Or just yeah. like Justin saying, send me pictures yeah. of the guys you could go, but yeah. you know, or something like Some, that, yeah. if they weren't mm-hmm. broken up. And so I think that's what I meant by awkwardness, mm-hmm. as in like, I realize we're in this new spot in how we are relating to each other, and they're just like still figuring all mm-hmm. that out. Brian does not tell Justin that he's doing this in celebration of being cancer free, which I think might have made it seem a little bit less like Brian just doesn't care about what I care about. Because I kind of think that underneath all the different convictions and expectations that they have, they actually do care about the same things Mm -hmm. personally and politically. But, you know, but even if Brian told Justin about the good news on the cancer front, he would still be going. And I don't think Justin necessarily cares that he's going, but it might have been good for Justin to hear that. Anyway, yeah, so then they're just kind of like staring at each other. And I think, I think part of them is like hoping somebody, one of the other yeah, is going to say, say something, something. Uh-huh. but that doesn't happen. So Brian ends the silence by telling Justin to take care of himself. And Justin tells him to do the same. And then Brian drives off. This scene was really, it was not nice and it was not fair because I can't play with my emotions like that. Like it was such a cute scene. Right. But still just like, oh, one of you just, yeah, so close. <laughs> you know. But I always have hope for them. Like, to me, it's not even over. It's almost too fresh a relationship. I mean, not too fresh of a relationship. Too fresh of a breakup. Like, you... Yeah, and it's just not, that kind yeah. of love. Yeah. And that kind of... Yeah. I don't see it being over. Like, it's... I've never gotten that it was over. Although when Justin was like, I'm leaving or whatever, like, you ain't got to say it, say this or whatever. I knew. I, even in that moment, I just... And when he got his own place, I still don't see it being over. I don't I don't feel that it's over. They're They're too connected. That love is too strong. And again, they don't even have to say, I love you, and we feel it. They're those type of people. Like, you just feel it. It's not, to me, it wasn't sad because it's not over. It was just good friends who used to fuck, who probably going to be fucking again <laughs> well, you, real soon. It definitely lets you know that something is still simmering. Yeah, still, yes. And I'm telling you, what they let it marinate right now. It's marinating. It's, it's going to be all juicy and flavorful for us yeah. in a little bit. Hopefully, in the next few episodes, we'll get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. praying. Okay. Can I have an over-the-top over the moment? Yes. Go can ahead. I just please have a moment? Okay. So, the song playing in this scene is Lover I Don't Have to Love by Bright Eyes. The lyrics are kind of tricky when you read them because it starts as a very cynical song. I want a lover I don't have to love. It's basically, I want someone with no strings attached and someone... Parlor is like, I want them to be too sad to care or too drunk to talk. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to hook up and then go away. Is what Trick kinda, shit. Yeah, it's kind of what the song is saying. Okay. Okay. So let's just walk through some of the lyrics here. The song starts, I picked you out, out of a crowd and talked to you. Said, I like your shoes. You said, thanks. Can I follow you? So it's up the stairs and out of you, no prying eyes. Okay. That to me is like when they first met, mm-hmm. you know, when Brian mm-hmm. just first met. Let's keep going. Back to the song. I got a hunger and I can't seem to get full. I need some meaning I can memorize. The kind I have always seems to slip my mind. But you. So there's a switch here. There's something different about this person. Mm-hmm. So that's where Brian was in season one. Chasing something and never feeling satisfied. But then 
There was you. you. Okay, back to the lyrics. Love's an excuse to get hurt and to hurt. Do you like to hurt? I do. Then hurt me. So the end of the song is a total shift from what the lead singer has been claiming all along. He's been saying he doesn't want anything serious. It will just lead to pain, even though all of his meaningless pursuits are leaving him empty and unsatisfied. Still, he doesn't want to get hurt or care about anyone. But by the end of the song, he's admitting that he's willing to risk it for this person. He's willing to open himself up to the hurt and pain for this person. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't want empty and meaningless. He wants love, even if it's going to hurt. By the end, he knows what he wants. And he's letting all of his armor fall off and telling this person that he wants to that he wants them to love him and to do their worst. Yeah. So that is a. It's a summary of their. (laughs) That one song is a summary of their relationship. (laughs) Of everything. Every every season of what Brian went through getting closer and closer to Justin. And yeah. Justin chasing him too, you know. Yeah, so. and I think we well, we'll we'll get there, but I think it's the perfect song for for not them. just this yeah. scene, but for that relationship in this episode mm-hmm. as a as a whole. Do you think Justin was surprised Brian agreed to let them hold the benefit at Babylon for free? Girl, hell no, no, uh, hell no, absolutely not. I mean, Brian has always done things for them. This man put up a hundred thousand dollars for sixty seconds, or, right. or or the three minutes or some shit with a three sixty second um and. But no, like, absolutely not. No, no that wasn't a, a surprise. Yeah. Uh, he probably was surprised that Michael asked, <laughs> asked um, Brian. But other than that, no, yeah. no. And I mean, why would Brian charge them anyway? I think, if anything, Justin might have raised an amused eyebrow at first. But he knows Brian. And he knows that Brian's not an ogre. He's not a monster. That's not why Justin left Brian. He still speaks very highly of Brian. When Jennifer came to see his new place, he told her, Brian always took care of me. He was good to me. He may have had his hiccups of doubt, Justin may have, but none of it was about Brian's character or him being a good man. Like Even since season one, he's always known that he's a good person. I don't even think um, Justin had any hiccups of doubt. I just think that Brian, Justin, at this point, at 21, is thinking, is looking for something that he think is what a relationship is defined by. Yeah. And that's what he was wanting. And Brian was unwilling to give him what he thought a relationship yeah. looks like. I mean, it's that simple. Yeah, it if has they nothing to yeah. do with Brian as a person, no, his, nothing, character, his character, none of that. Nothing like that. It's just Not like, the way that he loves here's him. something that I might yeah. want. I feel like I want this right now or I want to know that I can have this and that's not something you yes. can offer. So, okay, cool. I, I got to move on. I'm not going to waste my time. And that's for anybody. Right. And you have to know what you want out of life. So that's how, that's for anybody. So I don't fault Justin either. Yeah, Justin, and don't keep investing yeah. in something that's never going to give you what you it's want. It's not because you're going to only build resentment. And if Justin decided to stay with Brian, although, you know, he loves him, but he knew that Brian would never give him what he wanted, all that would do is have resentment because those feelings are not going to go away unless you fix them. So Justin needs to go out and find now if that's what he's really looking for or if the type of love that Brian can offer him is what he's really looking for. I wasn't upset. I mean, yes, I was upset with the split, but I understood it. You know, I I had to respect it. Michael and Ben dip into the diner. When uh, did the door on the diner get bars on it? Has it always had bars? I don't know because it was hard to even read the sign that said yeah. no, uh, no Did Prop I just 14. not notice that? Because I don't know. We'll have to go back and look. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, they are there and they're talking about the benefit and they're catching up on the details about everything that has been done to change the venue because this was a very last minute change. And Ben says, you know, maybe we should give Brian something. And Michael says, what for? Um... Uh, one day I'm going to say what I want and I'm going to blame it on the rosé when it's about <laughs> Michael, you know. Oh, my God. So when the people try to come for me, I'm blaming it on the rosé. But anyway, Ben says, 
for him allowing us to use Babylon. And Michael says he already thanked Brian, and that's enough. Okay, but you didn't. That though. must have been in the streaming version because that wasn't on no. the version we watched. Because last time I, th- I last time I checked, Brian said you can say thank you. Yeah, he prompted you to say thank you. Yeah, like you didn't I have didn't enough decency it. to say thank you so much. <laughs> oh my God, how can we ever repay you? That's what you should have fucking been saying. All I heard was I don't know what to say. Yeah. And then thanks, and then that was it. No, 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 I didn't hear he anything. Didn't know, he didn't He's, know. He didn't know. Brian said, "We're thanks to do." Yeah. yeah. And then you didn't say anything. So no, you didn't thank him at all. Period. He told you to get your ass on because he got to make this important call. <laughs> you understand? Period. <laughs> Beat your feet. Bye. Ben says, "Well, if you say so," and Michael does say so. Ben has some words to say about the state of Michael and Brian's friendship. But Michael won't allow it. So just like the thank you to Brian, those words will go unsaid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is the night of the event because Ben and Michael are there to pick up Debbie, but Kiki is running late, so she can't leave with them. Again, they use the slang term for a trans person, and I think there might have been a time where that word was accepted, but I don't know if it was ever acceptable. And I know people within the community use it. They use it then, and some still do, but I don't think that everyone is on board. No, I don't. Yeah, back then, I think you could say tranny, and yeah, I don't know. Like, I just don't know, but... She did use that word. Yeah, yeah. JB definitely and it's like used the, that word. At least the second time we've heard on the show, like I would avoid it. And unless a trans person tells you they prefer to be called that, I would suggest you avoid it too. Yes, exactly. Uh, but you see, we also see they use the F word fag a lot. Fag and yeah. fag. Like, I mean, they use that all the time. And it's all the gang from Emmett to Michael to Brian. Yeah. Hell to uh, my boy Drew. Everybody uses the word. So I think, I mean, verbiage has just changed over the years. It really has. We've gotten a little more sensitive and we got, I mean, I'm going to say well, sensitive. We've got, little, we got more respectful. I and guess. a little bit more aware. Aware. Of yes. Things. Yeah. True. But you know, those words were in play because no one checked them. You know, mm-hmm. no one came up to, to, to check someone saying, Hey, I understand what you're saying, but that's not the proper term, you know? Right. And if the you, language was so limited. Yes. What was, um, universally accepted or whatever it was mm-hmm. so limited. And so sometimes people would put themselves under a label because for what, many reasons but now it's like wait a minute i don't have to do no, that no yeah, yeah. i'm not gonna tie myself to that oh yeah but let, on the real though on the real note let's give a shout out to progress though on the real because we have made our way we have made our way and we and know we, yeah we've done a lot with labels yes. and expression and words and you don't even have to have a label and we've got a, a journey to go but true it has made a lot of progress because this is me <laughs> We finally make it to the benefit, and they did a great job flipping Babylon. It looks like a totally different place. Lewis is there with Ted, and he's looking a little shaky, but he is facing Girl, his fears. he is definitely shaky. Yeah, he's doing his breathing exercises. Elanti showed up just for you, Hell no. Nah. <laughs> I said, ugh, throw them out. Yeah, one of them talks about revisiting the days of his debauch. Shut up. Shut up. Please. I don't even like telling people to shut up. I just want to tell them to shut up forever. And then they try to come for Brian, too, and I ain't like Yeah. Uh, yeah, cause you just, in his place, Yeah, it's like Justin is having to hang with this crowd. And I'm going to need Emmett, or Auntie M, as I like to call him, yes. to swoop in and save Justin. Uh, ben wants to thank Brian, and Justin tells him that Brian went to Australia. When Justin says that, he's like, oh, I thought you, I thought y'all would know. Like, Brian's gone to Mardi Gras. And uh, Michael says, well, figures. And Alante says, well, after all, he slept with everyone on this continent. Justin doesn't laugh at their it, It's not funny. It's and not. If it wasn't for Brian saving the day again, y'all asses would be in the park somewhere, like, <laughs> in the freezing cold. So shut the fuck up. Take yeah. several seats. And why would Brian want to come to this after the way Michael has been treating him? And in just this episode, yeah. after the way Elanti has treated him in the past, why would he even want to come to this event? Period. Yeah. 
And this is being sponsored by the GLC. Everybody knows Brian doesn't like the center. <laughs> but we didn't see Philip and Tennis. I know. Oh, I no. Because, you know, I love roasting their ass. <laughs> I didn't get to see him. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like Brian came through for all of y'all, and y'all are still giving him attitude. I don't, I don't like that. Would Michael have let him use red cape at this point? If Brian needed red cape for, like, some photo shoot for whatever, for one of his campaigns, ad campaigns, he would have been like, you know, I just think it's better if you keep your life over there and I keep my life over here. You have all those high-profile um, accounts that someone can't or leave you a studio. Or he would have gouged him on the prize. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Jennifer walks in with Tucker and Justin is not happy to see them. Jennifer tells them, well, when there's a Proposition 15 to take away the rights of middle-aged women to still have a life, she hopes Justin shows up for her. And I think that's what she's like. Look, I'm over it. Yeah, I'm over it. Yeah. I'm here in support of you and this whole community as a good ally. So deal Don't with it. Don't come for me. I mean, that's some nerve. Like, she is here. She's out in the cold, hanging up shit, going door to door with your ass. And you're really pouting because she got her a young man. Let this girl have some fun. Yes, and she looks amazing looks, tonight. I mean, the hair is on point. Yes. Okay, I don't think her man that cute though. Like, I mean, he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's not cute. ugly, but he yeah. I mean, I can see her with somebody better. I think it's I don't like that slick of that, that hair it is? down. Yeah. It's just too yeah. <laughs> it's just not the right cut. That's what it is for me. I I hate the hair. Like I yeah. hate the hair. But we knew a lot of friends who had this haircut. <laughs> I saw this haircut. But it looked good. There I thought it looked good. There is a name I want to say to yes. you, but we, yeah. T-H. Anyway. Who was your name? Yes, yeah, T-H. A-H. Yo, A-H. Who is A? Oh, the brother. <laughs> yes. Okay, the brother. Yes. Yeah. Yes, girl. Absolutely. So we saw this hair all the time. We did. Okay? We had to look at this every day. Every day. So we're done with that hairstyle. Right. Uh-uh. But anyway... <laughs> yes, it is silly and Justin needs to get over it. But it's really like what you said in the last episode. It's a reminder that Justin is like 21. You know, he's still young. Yeah, in he's some young. Ways. Yeah. He is so mature and way beyond his years in a lot of ways. So this is just a little reminder that, oh, yeah, he's still got some mm-hmm. growing up to do in some ways. And I, I, I low key like when they do that because sometimes it's like, damn, I was never that smart at 21. Like, yeah, I didn't you do those can't, things. You can't make him too unrealistic. Yeah. And yeah. He, I, I love when they bring it back. And, and he has and, to have reality. a flaw too. They've all True. got something, mm-hmm. you know, to their their character and their personality. Yeah. Ted introduces Lewis to Ben and Michael. He tells them they met on HusbandMaterial.com. So it's already pretty serious. Lewis is a no for me. Uh, it, and, he was a no for me when he was on the uh, on the poster thing. And like, not um, e- yeah, not even just because of his phobias. You can't help what your issues are. It's not about that. But he is just like. He's he not a good fit. No, he's not a he good doesn't, fit. He doesn't. He doesn't vibe well. I with don't the group. see Ted having enjoying his life. No, with, it, it seems very, very, very boring. And where Ted is now, that'd be a regression for him. And I was like, hell no. Nah. Yeah, Emmett is on stage, sparkling like the angel he is with yes. that facial glitter stuff. He is there to introduce the one and only Miss Cindy Lauper. The legendary Cindy Lauper is on stage doing her thing with a nod to Judy Garland. She came out and slayed, baby. Yeah, you you were saying, is it gonna be the real Cindy Lauper? Yes. Well, you you know we have these queens that be coming out yes, here and slaying. And the you day. must swear, Cindy yes. Lauper. Yeah, but it's her come through production yes. budget. Yeah, I, I said okay, they pay some coins for Cindy. <laughs> yeah, come through. Yeah. Uh, then we see Brian as he hops in the back of a hired car to make his way to the airport. Uh, we also see Melanie and Lindsay. They're finally arriving at the club. They are back to bickering. Girl, I was like, oh, they're getting back together for real. <laughs> yeah. No, back to normal. Yes. They're fighting over petty stuff. That part. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They run into Dusty out front. Melanie left her cell phone in the car, so she goes back to get it. And Lindsay decides to wait for her. 
everything is going great on the inside, but Lewis is getting a little bit worked up. And it was, I'm going to break our rule. It was at this point, we're not going to go into it, but it was at this point that you said, I feel like something bad's about to happen. Yeah. It was I, just because um, everything was just going too well. And we know for a fact, these riders like to take us up high. And, then and they will drop, drop you. Us. They will dead drop yeah. you. <laughs> so yeah. I, I can feel like we was like we were flying too high. You know what I'm saying? Like I was smiling too much. I was like, okay, like not smiling, but like just I have, chilling. Yeah, just chilling. We I was had like, our uh, charcuterie, yeah. our rosé. So I was like, nah, uh, something's about to happen, and not in a good way. Like I, don't, yeah. I like I was on edge right then. Yeah. Okay. So well, Ted, like I said, Lewis is being is getting a little worked up. Ted doesn't want to leave him alone, probably rightfully so. So he sends Michael to go get him some water. Michael goes over to the bar and then there is a very bright light and then a very loud sound. Debbie is walking down the street and whatever it was, it was loud enough for her to hear it outside. We see Brian in the back of the car that he is taken to the airport. And then there's an announcement on the radio. And there has been an explosion at Babylon, the local gay club. The authorities fear there are many injuries, possibly fatalities. Brian immediately tells his driver to turn around. As far as he knows, everyone he loves, with the exception of Gus, is at this club. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when he hears injuries and fatalities, every single person in his life, with the exception of Gus, is at this club. Yeah. I think at first he couldn't make sense of what he was hearing. But then when they said that last part, injuries and fatalities, it's like, that's when it hit him. Yeah. Well, back at Babylon, people are being escorted out. It's loud and chaotic. Brian arrives and uh, he's about to take off running when he first gets out. But it's just kind of, I think the whole scene is overwhelming. It's like, where do I go? Where do I even start? Now, this could be my thinking. But as he's looking around, what I kept noticing is blonde hair. Like mm-hmm. the camera is moving around a lot, but it's pausing every time it sees blonde Oh, baby, blonde he hair. was checking. He was looking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, maybe that's a coincidence, but that's what it seems like the camera was focusing on. To me, the first person that he recognizes is Jennifer, and Brian makes a beeline for her. He checks her over, makes sure that she's all right, and Jennifer tells him that Justin is still inside. He has to go find him. Jennifer could and probably should be talking to an officer or a firefighter and telling them to go find her son, but she sends Brian after him because more than anyone else, that is who she trusts with her son, and she knows that Brian will find a way to move heaven and earth if necessary to rescue him. Immediately, Brian takes off. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. My heart dropped. I, yeah. Uh, this is when I got to crying. Like, my eyes swelled up because, uh, oh, Lord. My eyes swelled up because I just felt like it was like the moment that they had before was just so cute. And it was, it was just really playful when Brian was just watching him hang up the flyers and stuff. And then to hear, to hear, like, on your way out that everything could be taken away from you and you won't have it tomorrow to say that I love you or I'm sorry or I miss you or yes, we can, yes, yeah, or whatever the case. You know what I'm saying? Like it's all been stripped from you. That was heartbreaking. Yeah. And at this point in the game, we don't know, we don't know anybody in the game. All we can see is people who are just outside of the club. So we don't know where Ted is. We don't know where Michael is. We don't know where Ben. We don't know where, um, where anywhere else, where Justin, we don't know where anything is. So my heart is broken right now. Because I live for that story. I yeah. live for that love story between those two. Yeah. It's passionate. It's authentic. It's real. And, um, yeah, it's just, yeah. Um, um, it was just yeah. too much. Well, inside there is smoke and debris. There are people crying out in fear and in pain. It is a frightening scene. And there is 
so much fear and desperation in Brian's voice as he's yelling out Justin's name. Like you just that panic and that worry. It is so real as he's screaming out Justin's name, trying to find him. The last time we heard Brian calling out Justin's name like that was in 122, the prom episode. And that is enough to just completely undo me. Brian spots Ted and he asks him what happened. Ted doesn't know. And then he asks him if he's seen Justin and he shakes his head. Brian goes deeper into the chaos and there's blood on the floor and dead bodies. And I wonder if if like prom is flashing through his mm-hmm. through his head, you know. And then Brian sees Justin and that moment, I can't even explain that moment, you know, that flash of light. And then he just sees that shock of blonde hair. And I just can't imagine what Brian right. must have been thinking or feeling that relief. And, and then that embrace. Yeah, because, of course, Justin is helping someone else, you know, get to safety in this moment. Brian grabs, like, grabs holds him and pulls on, him yes, in close. Holds yeah. on to him. And that hug is so full of love and relief. And I just want to bawl my eyes out. <laughs> that was there. the moment we've always been searching for. Like, we knew Brian had it in him. I hate that it took something so devastating like this for Brian to, I mean, because Brian shows emotion, but he only he's going to give you what he's willing to give you. To see that we saw Brian scared. We never see Brian scared. We saw it in episode, in um, season one with yeah. the whole bashing. And in the beginning of season two, but then he had to be strong again. Right. Um, so seeing Brian scared, that's when you get the real him. You get the vulnerability that everybody wants to see from him. We've seen Brian scared or at least nervous. But the only time that we see him respond to fear with this sort of desperation in this sort of desperate way is when he thinks he's about to lose Justin, even when they broke up. And it wasn't like a life or death thing when Justin was talking to him and Brian saw where that conversation was going. He tells Justin, you're making me nervous. So this type of fear, this type of desperation is only in response to him losing Justin or potentially losing Justin. This is a big ups to Gail Harrell because the fact that you can portray all those emotions, you can go from Billy Badass to unbothered to oh my god your lover is potentially gone and you portray it so real so mm-hmm. authentic i mean man y'all y'all i see how motherfuckers can get typecast into a role because you're really showing the fuck out in these roles because there's no separation yeah, between none. him as an actor none. and this character and Girl. i know they're different people but they're i mean this was so it's been this way the whole time but just here I felt every, I think this will make this episode so hard. I felt every single emotion of these people. Yes. And I feel like in, in this scene, like they always do a great job. But after the explosion, I feel like all the acting went times 20. Yeah. Times 20 on every character. Like they really did their thing. Like they, they showed out. And that's why we sitting here with these um, emotions on high on 20 for yeah. us because they delivered. They, you did, you did exactly what you were supposed to do. We felt what y'all were saying on those scripts. Okay, we yeah. felt that. That was pure emotion. That was not um fiction. That felt so fucking real, okay? I mean, I feel like I, I was losing. I feel like I was about to lose Justin. Yeah. Or I was about to give I him I wouldn't a hug. have made it out no, yeah, this you feel episode. Me? I would have stopped watching this show. <laughs> yeah, because I, it was just that real. Yeah. The emotion is that real for me. And that embrace literally made tears come down my face. Yeah. And then how he, he needed that, but then he immediately had to check him over. Yes. Like he immediately pulled him out. Yeah. Pulled him back and he saw that blood, you know, there on his, on his head. Are you hurt? And then just even his voice in that Mm -hmm. was like, are you hurt? And that there's such a desperation in that too. And 
you know, he remembers Je- Justin's last head injury. And so yeah. this is that much more important to make sure that he's really okay this time. Even if he's standing up talking to you, a re-injury Facts. could yeah. be very bad. Mm-hmm. And, and then he pulls him back in again for another embrace. It was yeah. like, I'm never letting you go. That hug and squeeze was enough words. It was no words, but it was enough. A million words yeah. in that one And embrace. how much they both needed it. Yeah. Like, I think Justin needed it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even though at this point, Justin's first thought most of the time is going to be to help whoever he can right. around him. And so he's been doing that. But I think Justin needed that too. Like, and needed, I'm okay. I'm okay. And needed Brian to know that he was okay mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Brian um, tells Justin that Jennifer is outside and she's looking for him. Emmett comes over and finds him. He was worried because he hadn't seen Justin. Brian asks if he's seen Michael and Emmett doesn't respond. And so then we know something's going down. And then we see Michael on a stretcher and he does not look well. Oh, that just broke me down because I've talked cash shit. It's almost like I've talked so much shit and then something happened and I didn't have a chance to say that I was sorry. I was just playing or I didn't mean it. Or let's talk through it. To see Michael laid up, Michael don't deserve that. Yeah, he can be a brat at times. But we love him the same way that Brian loves him, that will forever love him. I love him the same way, yeah. too. He's like that annoying big brother or annoying little brother. And to see him laid up on a stretcher, helpless, unresponsive. I mean, that like that took me out. Like, Yeah. And there's no deserving it no. in situations like this. Like Michael has been on my last freaking nerve. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally the last freaking nerve. But there is no deserving it, especially in situations like this, where it's like this is probably some kind of hate crime. Oh, absolutely. It was a setup for sure. Yeah. Uh, because you knew what event was being held here. Mm-hmm. That's nobody else wanted to hold, host this event. So you knew what was happening here. And so there is no deserving this. And so I can be mad at a lot of the choices that Michael has, but still have a love for Michael yes. as a member of this gang, as a member of this found family. And it was just, I think in light of everything that's been happening in our world, in light of some of the stuff that we're going to probably talk about, the emotions of all of this were just so real and so close to the surface for me. Mm-hmm. That was just really, really hard. Um. Anyway, Brian is going to take Debbie to the hospital. Ben is going to ride with Michael in the in the ambulance. Uh, Lewis and Ted are coming out, and Lewis runs away from Ted, regretting that he ever listened to him. Um. When I watched this on my own, I had to take a break for a minute from uh this. I had, you know, usually I watch to just kind of map out the order of the scenes. Right. And I watched it on my own, and I had to just take a minute right here. I, I literally paused it, and when I did that, I picked up my phone, and there was a news alert about the shooting in Chicago. Oh no! And and it was just how real this mm-hmm. kind of thing is. Plus all the things that have happened in our world since 2005, when 2004, 2005, when this would have come out. But anyway, all of that was just so real. Um, what happened in Texas at the school, school. is just, mm-hmm. I, I just, I just don't understand humanity. Uh, and the hate when we have, when we have so much love to give, but all we see is hate out in these streets and in yeah. this world. And, and how this community of people who are just trying to be themselves and love people are being made out to be victim I mean, um, um villains yeah and and they're being bullied um in that you brought it on yourself yeah. mentality like i and it comes from a community of, and not everyone but it comes from a community of people who are saying it's the christian way yeah if you're a true christian you know that you should be leading by love and light 
Right. Not by hate. Right. Not creating these these situations and putting ha- people in harm. And that's where it gets sad. Yeah. And that's where it just is. It just it just kills me emotionally. And it just makes you really it makes every it should make everyone sit and reflect on what are we really doing in this world? What are we contributing to this world? How are we helping our fellow uh, our fellow brother or sister? And I think because of the real world stuff and because you're going to think I'm crazy and then I'm extra, but we have really sat with these people for two years now. Yeah. And so I really feel like like the emotion of all of this is very real to me. Oh, baby, I can't separate the two. It's real. Yeah. <laughs> it's real for me. This is real for me. Um, okay, we gotta keep going. I love the way they shot the next part. It's mostly these flashes and it's silent except for the sound of a heartbeat, mm-hmm. you know, and I just, I, I know that there's something to that, but right now it's kind of emotional. I can't really dig into it, but that's just, how it is though. Like everything goes silent. You can't see anything. Yeah. I mean, it's so and quiet. You can hear it drop. Is like just the heartbeat. Yeah. You know? That's it. That one tether to reality. Yeah. It's totally silent until Brian puts a hand on Ben's shoulder in silent support. Debbie is pacing and Melanie is trying to calm her down. And uh, Debbie says, like, I don't know what I'll do if I lose him. And Ben snaps, you're not going to lose him. It's not about you. So sit down. And Debbie's angry. Yeah, he's angry. And, and Debbie listens. And the doctor comes out and he says that Michael has lost a lot of blood and he's needing a transfusion. But they are short on his blood type. He's AB negative. Uh, well, Brian is O negative, so he readily volunteers. But since Brian is gay, he cannot donate blood. I didn't even know that was a law until I was a few about years to ago. Ask you, is that still a thing? Well, it came about during the AIDS crisis, and at first, it was like not at all. Gay people could not, gay men could not at all donate blood, and then they changed it to if it was one year since your last sexual encounter with another man. Um, and most recently they changed it to three months because there was such a shortage with the COVID stuff and all right. that. But Brian would have been subject to a lifetime ban because, well, the law changed in 2015, but anyone past 1977, I think, if you had had sex with a gay man, even just once, you had a lifetime ban on donating blood. Really? That wasn't lifted until 2015. And that's when they changed it to the, the one year that's thing. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So when we're over on the pink plate, I hope that we can do a whole episode on some of that stuff. I really have to do my due diligence and really get my my gay history up. Like for real, I just like live in this. I live in this country and community just rent free, and I don't. I don't even know. You know, I don't even know our backstory. Yeah. I need early to do my part. So. Yeah, but that is the truth. Yeah, he wouldn't have been able. Um. Wouldn't have been able to donate any, and then he would have been out anyway, even with today's rules, because like I said, if it was in the last three months, then you're still, it's still a, a no. And that's a weird, you know, it's like, I know where that came from. It came from the AIDS crisis, but there's some laws that are on the books. Is like, we got to revisit the why we did that and the how we enforced that. True. And the, yeah. Because, because there are a shit ton of straight people out here not having safe sex and contracting exactly, all types of diseases. Exactly, which is what Brian says. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I. Mm. Anyway, back to the scene. Brian is furious, not just about the regulation, but about the fact that his friend needs something that he can give him, but they're not allowing him to do it. Uh, ben tells him that even if he were straight, he still can't donate blood because he had cancer. There have also been some recent changes in that. And so with like, depending on type of cancer, your whole treatment plan. Well, how, he's how completely in remission. So I yeah, mean, but it depends on how long it's been, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And then back then the rule, it might have required a longer time. Mm-hmm. I think now 
depending again, depending on the type of treatment, depending on the cancer, it's like a year from your last treatment. And so it kind of depends on the, the date. So tra- cancer is transferable through blood. It's more like you need it. <laughs> oh, got it. Yeah. Okay. So they weren't, it was more for your, their own safety, mm. I believe. Yeah. But the bottom line is Brian cannot donate any blood, which to him means he can't do anything to help save his friend's He's life. He's helpless. Yeah. I think it's always interesting to see how people respond in a crisis. And so to watch this gang, to watch Debbie and Ben and, and Brian and Melanie and Lindsay in the scene and what roles they take on and what personality traits come out of them. It's always interesting to me to see how people respond to a crisis. And we'll have to revisit that later, but I don't have the energy for that right now. Mm-mm. Well, back at Babylon, Drew has arrived and he's looking for Emmett. Reporters are trying to interview him, but that's not what he's there for. They ask if Drew is concerned about losing his fans now that people know he's gay. And Drew says, right now, I'm concerned about people losing their lives. What the heck is wrong with you? That part. This is this this was the one thing that gave me hope again. Like, it recovered me. Y'all know I love me a good Drew and Emmett. But um, early in the episode, you know, Emmett wanted to get Drew to come, but Drew didn't want to have any parts of that. So he didn't come. But I love that when Drew got first win that something happened. Just like Brian, everybody that he loves is there. Everybody that Drew loves is in that same spot, right? So I love how he put all of that away, came out into the public as a celebrity, um, came out to check on his man and what the fuck. Um, I can't stand, I mean, that's exactly how TMZ, all of them would be. Yeah. yeah I mean, for real, if, if something happened and then a celebrity came up, that's the same shit. That mm-hmm. they would do. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad the writers kept sure, it true let's to make life. this about something yeah. that is completely meaningless. Exactly. As people are literally being treated beside you for injuries. I love that Drew showed up. Yeah. You know, and that he was there. Like, I mean, Drew may be fighting through his own demons, but he's always going to be there when he needs to be there. You're like, when it's time to be there. And it gave me hope. And I'm pretty sure it made Emmett feel safe. So, I mean, he had his security blanket. I'm glad that people are investing and pouring back into Emmett because Emmett always pours out into yeah. everyone else. And he's never poured in two. He's always, he lost George, you know. He can never keep, like, Ted did what he did to him. It's always something when it comes to Emmett. So finally, finally, he was poured back into, and that just, that gave me life again. Like, yeah. that made me feel happy. I damn near cried again, too. He hugged him, and he said, I'm sorry I wasn't here. And Emmett said, well, I'm glad that you're here now. That was all I needed. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna, I agree with all that and I'm gonna say something about that. But the, I wanna go back and say the ability of the media to just move on really tells you which lives matter and which lives don't. Facts. I just had to, I know we don't get, but no, we, we try not to get, we try to get we into don't all get that. Politi- but yeah. we are human beings and we have thoughts and opinions about some stuff. Yes. And mm-hmm. we're not gonna, we're not gonna try to ever be too PC to not be honest yeah, exactly. with you guys and Facts. it really just tells you which lives matter and which lives don't anyway yes drew apologizes for not being there and uh and i love that we get to see emmett finally let himself feel his emotions and let go because if i know emmett he's been concerned about everyone else in this he said he was looking for justin when brian came mm-hmm. in and then here i'm sure he's stayed around there because he was helping, helping out in whatever else. way that he can and he is always there for everyone else, like you were saying. So I love that he had someone come be there for him. For him. And mm-hmm. so when we saw his face just break when they were hugging, like I was so, even though it's sad, I was so happy for him to have that, to have somebody to embrace him and to just let him fall apart mm-hmm. in that moment. Yeah. Well, the doctor is telling Ben, Debbie, and Brian that Michael has a punctured spleen and they will have to remove it immediately. With the amount of blood loss that he's had, they can only hope for the best, though. 
Debbie leans over him and tells him that leans over him and tells him that he better come through this and Ben gives him gives him a kiss. Yeah, and I think you know Brian is there but he kind of stays out of this. I think he respects Ben's role as his partner. He of course respects Debbie's role as Michael's mother, but he is this is like a brother to him. Oh yeah. And so um yeah. He's never going to overstep for sure. Like I mean, he knows he knows where he stands in this. He's never going to be able to trump Ben or or um, and he's not or Debbie. Trying and, he's, to. and he's not yeah. trying to. He's there being what he should be—a supportive friend, a supportive brother, a caring friend, yeah. a caring brother. Yeah, that's what he's there to do. He tried to do what he could do with the blood. They refused it. So I mean, all he can do is there to support. Be his, be yeah. His presence yes. right now is mm-hmm. really all he can offer. And I'm sure anything that Ben or Michael, Ben uh, or Debbie. Debbie need even if it's some kind of money thing that michael's gonna need because of insurance got it yeah well then melanie is at home in bed with jr and you know she's holding her baby there Lindsay comes in holding gus and they are not all right but they are grateful um grateful that Lindsay is always running late is what melanie says (laughs) and that and that melanie forgot her phone Melanie tells her to promise that she'll never be on time and Lindsay says if you promise me you'll never remember a thing and I want to say that's also a request, so let's just put the past yeah. in the past. Mm-hmm. Lindsay turns around to go put Gus back in bed. But Melanie invites them both to join her and JR in their bed, which, of course, is very just sim- symbolic, just mm-hmm. inviting them kind of back. Exactly. You know, so we can work out the details of it later. Yeah. But just that. But you're home. This is home. We're a family. Yeah. And then their little family lies together in bed with Melanie and Lindsay holding hands. This scene with their little family in bed just digs into me. We know that they are grateful that they can spend another night together with their babies in their arms. And, but to know that they were minutes away from that, not being a possibility, like that just makes me want to ball my eyes out. (laughs) And, um, I think in this scene, we see them silently agreeing that this is what matters. And this is what we have to protect. Tragedy has a way of reminding us of what's important and worth holding on to. Exactly. Then we see Debbie sitting in a chapel at the hospital. Brian comes in and joins her. Which is crazy because you would never expect Brian to be in a chapel. Right. But Debbie's there. Yes. At this mo- and he, he needs to be there for her. I think mm-hmm. he needs to be there with her. Debbie tells Brian that she's always been a good Catholic girl, except when it comes to their stance on gays and abortion. But still, she has always believed that God knew best and that there was a reason for everything that he does. But she can't make sense of what has happened to Michael. So this time she's not asking God. She's telling him to see that Michael gets through this. And she says, notice I didn't say my son, Michael. That's because it's not for her. It's for him. That's because it's not about what she's going to do. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, earlier she's like, what am I going to do? How am I going to make it? It's not about her. It's about her wanting her son to have this life that he's been building Mm -hmm. with this man and with his children and with his family around him. Brian reaches over and takes her hand. Debbie asks if he wants to say a prayer and he says no. But if God knows what's good for him, he better listen to Debbie. You know, these two were Michael's family before anyone else in the gang was there. Right. And so I'm glad that we got this little moment with just the two of them. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking the only person who would actually who could actually be there in the scene is Brian. He, I mean, Debbie knows him in and out. He knows Debbie in and out. They don't have to say too much because, again, just like Brian and, I mean, just like Brian and Justin, a look, a touch can say a million things. Brian knows exactly how to comfort her. 
She needed her sons around her anyway. Although her and Brian are not always on the best of terms, she loves him just like a son. He looks at her as the mother figure. He needed to be there for her, period. Back over at Babylon, even Cindy Lauper is helping out. And then we get this slow motion scene and it's Brian walking through and he's like a man on a mission. And then we see Justin turn towards him and everything else is static. I get a after the dust has settled vibe from this, like things have calmed down in a way. And now everything is becoming clearer. And just seeing Brian come back for Justin is everything. Like This is his club. I'm sure there's paperwork to be completed and phone calls to be made, but none of that matters. Everything else is happening in the world. It's like Slows they had down. their phone on um, portrait mode. Everything <laughs> yeah. is kind of blurry Everything in the back. Everything else, yeah, just it's just this moment for the two of them, you know. Uh, and I don't even know what all they are saying and conveying to this, but it's just like they just slow everything down to this to this moment to what matters. I'm gonna walk us through this scene, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Before we move forward, I love that Justin is still here helping because that is such a part of who he is. And I love the first thing that that the first thing that he does is ask after Michael, not only because he cares about Michael, but because he cares about Brian and he knows how this must be affecting, affecting Brian. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that Justin assured Brian 10 times over that he was fine before Brian went off to go, <laughs> you know, to the hospital. Right. Uh, to see about Michael, like. Justin knows that that fight did nothing to change Brian's love for for Michael. So, yeah, he's asking not only for himself, but for for Brian, too. Okay, now we can move on. Justin asks about Michael, and Brian says that they don't know yet. Um, And then they just take a minute to embrace each other. And you can see Brian's hand, like, gripping Justin's jacket, just needing him as close as possible for, Mm -hmm. for a minute. When they pull apart, Brian tells him, that when he heard what happened, he tried to call Justin on his cell, but he didn't answer. He says he was so scared. And all he could think was, please don't let anything happen to him. Now, again, we said everyone that he loves was in there. His but that first own, thought. That first thought, that kind of only all-consuming thought. Yes. Was the only anything happened to Justin. Mm-hmm. That is very, very important. Yeah. And then he wraps his arm around Justin, pulling him close so that he can be right next to his ear. As he says, "What do you say, girl? I love you." Oh my uh, god! Yeah, you said, "Is he gonna say what I think he's gonna say?" Yes, I, <laughs> and for real, like, and yeah, okay, we're gonna keep going, and then we're come back and talk about it. Then he pulls back so that Justin can see his face this time as he says again, "I love you," and I think Justin doesn't know whether to laugh or cry, like laugh out of pure joy, not to mock him. And they kiss, and then they hug each other tightly. And then we kind of leave them alone as Justin's up on his tippy toes, wrapped in Brian's arms mm-hmm. again. And I, at this point, I've my emotions were just like, I Girl, mean, I was, was nothing flowing. but, yeah. you know, tears and yeah. <laughs> just like. They just flowing through. Okay. Okay. Like, Justin doesn't say it back, but I think that would have taken away from this moment. It was all about Brian yeah, saying it. Yeah, it was all about him saying it because it wasn't even necessarily about the words. It was the reason why he felt the need to say the words but it was good to hear the words too but anyway okay ken tell me all your thoughts on brian a kenny saying i love you to justin juan taylor and does it bother you that he only said it after a major tragedy no but like you said before uh i'm just gonna probably gonna do it in reverse no it does not bother me that he said it after a major tragedy because i'm just happy that the motherfucker said it because we already knew that he felt it you know and that's all justin wanted him justin can feel it 
He just wanted you to say it or act. Show, give me some type of action behind it. And tragedy does. I mean, like it took something like this to shake him. Like this same motherfucker who would buy a first class trip flight just to fuck so he could win a bet. You know what right. I'm saying? Like he has never lost. So for something for something to be almost taken from you forever for the second time. Yeah, for the second time. But this time it wouldn't be a repeat. You know what I'm saying? Like you couldn't correct whatever. It would be gone. He needed to say what he needed to say. Like I'm glad that he said it. So no. That accident, all it did was brought them closer. It it opened Brian's eyes, which needed to be open. They were open. Like he, we always said, every season, he was breaking down, making more progress and more growth and more growth. Well, I feel like we got to a plateau. This right here, it gave him a little more strength to go look up more. Okay, we're not at a plateau. I just said a little, little, little valley part right here. I'm going to keep climbing up on this mountain. And he climbing up to the top and he got his man. Okay, he won. And um, all the emotions that I felt was, I mean... I was extremely happy. Like, I had been waiting five fucking seasons for hear this man to say that I love it. We watched Justin Taylor, I mean, fight for his love. We watched him get bashed. We watched him leave his family. We watched him leave leave Brian just to try to give, like, trying to give him a little, shake him up a little bit yeah. for the love. So, finally, well, hearing you say those. we watched him convince you that you are a good person yes. who is worthy of love. Yes. It's not even just about what Justin has sacrificed. It's what Justin has made Brian believe about himself. Absolutely. That I can be a good father. I can be a good friend. I can be a good partner. I can be a good business owner, or business leader. It's what Justin has made him believe about himself. Like Justin has worked really hard to do that. There is really nothing that I can say that will capture the beauty and importance of this scene. Like, I can't even wrap my head around it enough to feel all of it, let alone find the right words to talk about it. Um, I see this scene and I think of their whole journey from season one, episode one. But we don't have time for that. So I will just kind of start with this. I think it's a testament to great writing and great acting that we know that these two loved each other long before they said those words to each other um it's in the way they care for one another and the way they trust and respect and challenge one another and of course we see it when they look at each other or when they touch each other or when they're in bed together or on the couch or on the table or wherever we see it there but i think that by not having previously verbally confessed to the far-reaching depth of his feelings for justin brian always had a fail-safe of sorts like remember in season three when he told Lindsay that he never loved justin we know that wasn't true because we saw that he did with our own eyes. But even if we didn't, Debbie told Brian that she knew the truth in 206. But because he himself never said that wor those words, he could try to get away with the lie that it wasn't true. And I don't think that was mainly for other people's benefit or for him to be able to lie to them. It was so he would be able to lie to himself or at least try to lie to himself and pretend that everything could go on as normal if he ever lost it. So I feel like that was... A little bit of protection that he had by not admitting what he really what he really felt, not admitting it verbally, even though everything about his actions screamed that he loved him. But by telling Justin that he loves him, by allowing himself to say those words, Brian has eliminated that whole thing. Like his cover has been blown and there's no taking it back. He has just opened himself up to everything that he was protecting himself from by not saying it before. He always feared that would make him weak. And maybe he feared that once Justin had that ammunition, he would use it against him. But it's a chance he feels he has to take right now because nothing is more important than spilling this truth. And it is true. He loves them, all of him, everything about him. And uh, nope, not gonna, 
not going to cry. Um, I'm going to make it through this. And Ken has turned off his mic because if he says anything, he knows that's going to like set me off and I'm going to melt into tears. Okay. Ryan came back to Babylon just to make sure Justin knew what he means to him. He could have lost the chance to do that forever. So everything that Brian says in this scene is so beautiful and the rawness of it all just grips the heart. He says, I kept trying to reach you. I was so scared. There was a fear in Brian that he has felt before, only this time he wasn't there with Justin. So he needed to speak to him. He needed to lay eyes on him. He needed to know he was okay. And when he couldn't get that confirmation from Justin himself, he got desperate and he is thinking or praying or manifesting to something or someone that he doesn't even believe in, begging, please don't let anything happen to him. And that's just such a beautiful confession of him telling just like just how desperate, just how scared I was that I I was praying out to anything or crying out to anything that would listen to me. Make him be okay. Don't let anything happen to him. Now, I feel like Brian being able to say I love you to Justin points less to his growth and more to his healing. I mean, both of those things are happening, but I feel like this is this is evidence of some healing that is happening in him. Like, remember, most, if not all of Brian's walls are defenses that are products of childhood trauma. Him being able to lower the last of those is about him feeling safe with this person or at least his willingness to endure whatever pain could come from complete vulnerability if it means this person can know the deepest truth, his deepest truth. And it's because all of the growing that Brian has been doing over the seasons that those very broken and wounded parts of him have started to heal. And while this may look to some people like it weakens Brian, I know some people have said that they don't like that Brian actually says that he loves him because it makes him, if like it's out of character, it makes him look weak, whatever. I completely disagree with that. I think it actually points to how emotionally strong he is becoming and how much faith and trust he is putting in that love, in that relationship, and in Justin himself. And so the words are important and they matter. And I know that Justin is happy to have them, but I think it's more about what Brian was offering up to Justin and saying those words. I think it's also very important to remember that the last two times Brian did something huge out of love or because of love to remember what happened then. Like the first time was prom which ended with the bashing where Justin could have died. The second time was when he lost everything to take down Stockwell. So even with Brian's mixed up fears and memories about what love has cost him in the past and what has happened when he tried to believe he could extend and receive it, here he dares to challenge his belief that love only leads to destruction. He takes a very big risk, a very big chance. And that's because Brian is more afraid of what will happen if he doesn't say this to Justin than he is of what might happen if he opens himself up completely. Like he's more afraid of losing Justin forever than he is of how he might be punished or ridiculed by the ghosts of his past and by his own self-doubt. The timing of it or the fact that it came after a traumatic event doesn't bother me one bit or change the significance of it. Like not for me. Tragedy is kind of like tequila. It can loosen the tongue, but that doesn't mean that what you say when under the influence of it isn't true or won't still hold up in the light of day. I know some people may feel like this isn't super significant because Brian said it in a crisis, but I just, I don't agree with that. We'll have to see what, if anything, is to come of this declaration. And depending on what outcome Brian wants from this, I think he would have gotten to this place to where he wanted that outcome no matter what. So maybe it would have taken him more time, or maybe it would have been phrased in a different way. Um, But I think we were always headed 
to Brian willingly offering this level of honesty and vulnerability with Justin. Like part of Brian growing up is learning to be honest with himself. And this is the truest thing going on in his life right now. He loves Justin more than anything, more than anyone. And I believe that was always going to find a way to come out. But even with this terrible thing happening around them, Brian still made a choice to surrender to it, to the reality of what he felt and to Justin, really. I find it totally on brand for it to take something major like this to shake those words loose from him, but that doesn't make them any less real or genuine. And I love that Brian says it in his ear first, just to be sure Justin hears him. And maybe that first time he couldn't quite meet Justin's eyes because he's about to do something very vulnerable. He knows what he's about to say. He knows why he has to say it, why he wants to say it. And that's a little bit scary still because he's not over those, even though a greater fear has presented itself, like the loss of Justin forever, a greater fear has been presented. He's still not over that other fear. It makes sense where he he says it in his ear, one, because he wants him to hear him, but two, maybe he just can't quite make eye contact yet while he's saying it. Um, And then he does say it and he doesn't spontaneously combust and Justin doesn't evaporate. So maybe the words aren't as scary as he always believed. And then feeling even more sure and even more confident that he not only has to do this, but he wants to do this. He looks Justin in the eye this time and with complete sincerity and vulnerability says, I love you. I, Brian Kinney, (laughs) am sure enough, strong enough, and afraid of you never hearing these words enough. Uh, I am standing before you, Justin Taylor, making sure you know my biggest secret, that I love you. And then he possibly says it again. I'm not interested in that argument, so let's don't try to take it up with me. (laughs) Um, And then they kiss, and then Eshel just floats off into the heavens above. Okay, so I want to go back to something that you were saying, like, I actually don't think Justin has been needing Brian to say those words. Yeah, true. He would have loved to hear them all along, but I don't think he's been needing it because he knows that Brian loves him. He said that in season three. He said Brian showed me that he loved me every day. So he wasn't waiting for Brian to say that or to show it because Brian's been doing that. But Justin still recognizes this for the big deal that it is. And he understands on some level why Brian felt the need to say it. And so I think this was for Justin, but this was equally, if not more so for Brian, like they both finally got this moment. And I'll talk about this more when we do a recap. But I think there was a part of Brian that was growing a little frustrated with his own personal demons in the areas where he was emotionally stunted. He has said, I love you to Michael, but that's a totally different type of love. And that is not as scary, not as potent. And it doesn't come with as much risk. For Brian to be able to look Justin in the eye and say, I love you, means he was finally able to slay even more of his own demons. And like I mentioned earlier, when talking about that song, it's him being able to stop resisting, to stop fighting, and to lay down his armor. So this I love you is Brian recognizing that he has a second chance and he's going to handle this second chance differently. Like time is finite and Justin could be taken from him at any moment. And I think he doesn't want to waste another opportunity to stand before this man and be fully open with him. Like Brian was terrified that he was going to lose Justin in a very permanent way, but he didn't. And I think it just pulled everything into focus and reminded him of the importance of every single moment. Definitely the one that's right in front of you. And he didn't want to waste another one. So I love this scene. I don't care that Brian said it after a bombing. This was for Justin, but again, perhaps even more so for Brian. And I love seeing him grow and I love seeing him heal. So 
So I'm glad that we got this. And I feel like it was the perfect moment for it. It was all good emotions. Like, I mean, if I was at home, I'd probably be jumping on my sofas. But I was at your house. So <laughs> I couldn't. I mean, you have jumped on my sofa yes, the last two episodes. I know, girl. They were doing the most. So, yeah, exactly. So I think we're on the same playing field when it, when it comes down to it. Well, that's your answer to the question as well. Yeah. Yeah, got it. So, yeah. It, it was it was a good feeling, and I didn't care what it took. I mean, sometimes it takes tragedy, and if that's what it took, I mean, we made it, and, and we're here. And Justin is safe, and Justin is reassured that you do love him, and that you know y'all gonna be all right. Okay, like everybody's gonna be all right. It's gonna be cool. Okay, I have some tea. Ooh. Okay, or maybe some of you already know this. I did not know this until I heard it directly from the horse's mouth. The horse being the rider, but anyway, maybe the cast has talked about it in some interview. I don't know. I hadn't again. I didn't know about it. Uh, we were not supposed to get this scene. Oh, no, really? Right. Now, I'm not sure how all the rest of that scene was written, but it didn't include Brian saying, I love you to Justin. It couldn't have worked without that. And, I love and you. I, I would accept the arguments that he said it three times. Like, so I just want to throw that out there because I know somebody's going to message us about that. And he for sure said it twice as possible. Mm-hmm. He said it three times. But anyway, okay, put that out there. Anyway, the primary writer for this episode, who is amazing and who I had the honor and privilege of actually meeting in person. Oh, wow. He told me that when he wrote this episode, he put this scene in here and Ron and Dan, the showrunners, they came to him and they were like, "Uh, you know, we never intend to have Brian say, I love you at all in this show. Like, mm-hmm. we, we, that was not how we designed this character. We never wanted him to say this. And so they were going to cut it. And then he was like, okay, how about this? <laughs> um, How about we compromise and we film it both ways. And then you guys just kind of decide what works mm-hmm. best. And will we see which which option one? Yeah. I did ask him why he pushed for it, and he he answered me. But I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in the it's in the interview that I did with him, uh-huh. and so I'm gonna play it for you guys eventually when I finally when we finally release that one. But anyway, so I am so glad. No, it needed <laughs> that he advocated yeah. for this because we it was the perfect way to end this episode. True, it it, it was. Like that gave me life. That was like a rebirth. I mean, just for and yeah. for the two of them to not just for us audience members, but for the two of them to have that. Yeah, I felt like no, that was so felt, huge it for felt the two real of them. enclosure for them. I like, mean, because you just in a flash, I just have thought about the past five seasons and everything that they've gone through mm-hmm. as individuals, as a couple, just everything that they've gone through, and I just. But you can see how they much this was needed. Yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. Because just when he said it, like, Justin, like you said, he looked up in disbelief, like, did I hear this right? And, but then his face lit up like a Christmas tree. He didn't have to say anything. Like, you could just see the joy, the happiness, the love all over his shit. Like, his his eyes, they told a story. Like, they, they was bright. They had a glow on them. They had, like, a little a little shimmer in them. I was like, yeah. oh, my God. Like, I was, I was what, what did it? What, what did he say? Yeah. I made you rewind it. <laughs> <laughs> you did. I mean, rewind it. Yeah. I needed that scene after this episode, but even that left me emotional too. And no matter what happens next, if they get back together, if they stay apart, I needed this scene. And, you know, there are things that still need to be discussed and worked out and maybe they can work them out and maybe they can't, but I am so glad that we got this. One other thing I want to say about this episode at the time when this came out, people felt like they jumped the shark with the bombing, like it was drama for the sake of drama. But then we get something like what happened at Pulse mm-hmm. and all the things before and after that. And it's like, no, nah, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. No. <laughs> they didn't it was the right shirt. on cue. Yeah, because they and they've been saying like all along, like this is the kind of stuff that can happen when you turn your back, when you don't yep. take the threat seriously. You think it's just a law on paper, but that's not mm-hmm. where it stops for them, you know. 
And so I'm glad that they went this direction. So, yeah, I I actually, in a lot of ways, this show predicted a lot of stuff that has come. Just mm-hmm. last episode, when Jennifer was talking about them trying to outlaw abortion, you know, this show really predicted yeah, a lot of things. It did. <laughs> yeah. We've always said that they were. Uh, way ahead of their time. And yeah. it, it, it did. I mean, it's staying on course mm-hmm. for what it was for. Like, I mean, wow. Like, yeah. Too much. I, uh, I heard some people making some, taking some cracks about how quickly Brian heard it on the news in the car. And I'm like, mm, that doesn't really bother me. And also, like, this episode is too important to, fixate on junk like that so why would you even care about that i know like and these days you know things as they're happening Hell so yeah, your phone is gonna alert you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i just mm, i know some people might be thinking about that but that's just that that seems silly and small he was riding in the car a big explosion happened in a major city it was right. gonna be all over the radio yeah. every station i don't know just sometimes i get that no show is perfect and i'm not saying the show is perfect but i'm just like really of all the things that have ha- that happened in this episode that's what we focus ex- on focus on mm, okay cool okay. whatever uh, anyway, so Ken, to end us on a, a higher note, so many of our, well, kinda, so many of our listeners have pointed out your ability to predict the future. You know nothing about this because I couldn't tell you. Oh, uh, okay. But some of them have called you the modern mysterious Marilyn. Ah, yeah, so the three God. M's. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, you, you said many episodes ago that it's almost like something needs to happen to Michael to give him a change of heart and perspective. And you said you would hate for it to be something bad, but maybe that's what it would take. Girl, I said that. You did. Oh, my God. And then immediately after you said that episode, like, we got tons of messages privately. Thank you, guys. Saying, like, oh, my gosh. Like, and, and this isn't the first time. There have been at least at least one or two other times where you've been like, ooh, I hope this doesn't happen. Or, ooh, I wonder if this can happen. Or I bet... Th- Girl, y'all scaring me now, <laughs> shit. I'm, I'm scared. Like, oh, Lord. Yeah, so, um, yeah, well, we still have to see how, how that plays out, but just something happening uh-huh. to him is what you, um. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, girl, you know, I'll be going so hard. I don't even remember saying that, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I did. I said, if y'all said, I said it, I said it. So if y'all want uh, your, uh, your cards read yeah. by the modern mysterious Maryland, y'all hit us up at LibertyDinerDish at gmail.com. That part. <laughs> Email me now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. $9.99 for your first reading. That part. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And then only 98 cents per minute. Okay? Yeah. Uh, so, plus like service charges yes, or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, we did it. We made it through this episode. We did. We did. And um, guys, we love to hear y'all take on this one. This one is deep. Okay. This one was hella deep. It so, was just like so fast paced. And yeah. then you get to that last 15 minutes or whatever. And oh my gosh. I know. Uh, it, was, it was just too much. Um, It, it really was. So please y'all flood our Gmail right now. Let us know what y'all thought about this episode. What, how did it affect you in that moment? If you watched it when it was originally on Showtime, or if you watched it later in life on the DVDs, or if you watched it now streaming, what was your thoughts? We want to know, because when I say that my eyes, hell, even looking at Eshel talking about it in this episode now, watching her, at one point her eyes even filled up. I was about to say, girl, you about to cry. And I when was she was speaking, about to. but she she got it, she kept it back together, so she, she did. Why did you say that? Because I'm about to do it again. Yeah, I know. Well, they did. I, was, well, you, I look at you in your eyes when you're talking. Yeah. But yeah, they swell. So I want to know what emotions did this episode bring for, um bring to you guys? I mean, that, we're just gonna keep it short and sweet. Normally, I rant, but we're gonna keep it short and sweet. Yeah. Well, guys, um, as always, until next time, we are out of here, and we love you guys. So bye. Bye.